Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new special edition of The Sideline, guys. This week, I'm joined by a very special guest, man. I'm really excited to have my guy here once again, Damian Adams. Um, I've been on his show many times. He's been on our show many times. Uh, It's always really fun to chop it up with Damian. And most importantly, man, what this guy is doing, he's really on the cutting edge as far as sports coverage, the the random ideas that come to his head that Mm -hmm. seemingly are going viral every week when I'm checking my Twitter. I get more notifications from his his stuff (laughs) than from my own stuff. So shout out to him for that. Damien, please tell the people right off the top where they could find you at. Oh, man, thank you so much for that intro. And yes, you can find me on all social media platforms at The Real Deal WDA. That's The Real Deal W as in whiskey, D as in Delta, A as in Alpha. And if you follow me on there, you'll get different types of videos where I'm breaking down boxing, I'm breaking down football, basketball. Right now, a lot of basketball, a lot of boxing right now, of course, because, you know, football season in the offseason. But you follow me there. You also get access to my podcast, The Real Deal with Damian Adams. Last episode, Chris was on and we did, we covered everything. Like he always says, we're able to really dig deep into a lot of different topics. And that's why I consider him an ace of all trades because I feel like he does all those things well. And we definitely get into it on our past episodes. So go check that out. I'm also now the new member of the Rush team, uh, which they are known for their Giants content. That's their headline podcast, Giants guys. But they also have other podcasts in which they're, dive into other topics and I'm here to enhance that part of the rush team with rush boxing and rush basketball so please be looking out for that as well on social media platforms when you see more of the rush content coming you hear him, man any podcast network Damien's a PED man it's performance enhancer right there you get him you get him in and everything it touches turns to gold for real though I just wanted to mention since this is going to be entirely a boxing show on the sideline guys make sure that you check out his episode that we did together as well. This is almost going to be kind of like a part two, right? We're not going to double dip in the stuff we already touched on in that one, Uh, but some new angles to talk about some of the fights we spoke about on that one. And then just really looking ahead for the next two months, man. When I came up with the idea of doing this show, there's like a smorgasbord of upcoming really good boxing matches. And honestly, I got some hot takes about how I'm feeling as sort of the state of boxing address. So that's what this podcast is going to be. We're we're, we're here to talk about the health of boxing and where things are all headed. So really looking forward to that. Make sure that you follow the brand at all uh, social media platforms at OTS Media Co. As well as OTS Media on YouTube. Always giving out all kinds of new content and excited to bring more one-offs like this to OTS, right? We're not, we're not just covering the sport that's in season at that very second, right? Uh, we, we do basketball, um, football, and now we're, we're, we're trying to get into that boxing and MMA coverage more steadily on TSG. So shout out to you guys for listening. Let's get right into it. So I mentioned we spoke a lot about Plant versus Benavides already. So if you're interested in the full breakdown, I suggest you guys... Take a look at that podcast over at The Real Deal. Make sure that you check out all the stuff we already covered on this fight. But this fight is four days out now. And the first thing I wanted to ask you, because I've, I've been on these guys' social medias, really trying to pay attention as much as I can. And this is the most in shape I've ever seen Caleb Plant for a fight, even with um, his last fight against Darrell. Um, have you seen any of the the sort of physique pictures of him? And, and what are your thoughts on that as far as his shape coming into this fight with Benavidez? He looks ripped. He definitely does. Uh, hopefully he hasn't taken too much time on that because we've seen that in boxing, you could have, you know, the worst physique in the world. We're going to talk about Tyson Fury, you know, <laughs> on his episode. He's definitely not known for his physique at all. 
Uh, but he's somebody who definitely gets the job done, even with, you know, with the, you know, kind of a doughboy type physique that he has. So when you talk about that, you don't want to get too caught up in that because Anthony Joshua, another guy we're going to talk about in this episode, great physique, right? Sometimes that physique can work against you. Uh, so hopefully Caleb Plant hasn't gotten too stiff because you still want to be fluid in your movement. Uh, so hopefully it's just something that enhances him and doesn't bring him down in any type of way. It's a really good shout because I was thinking about that too. I was like, I don't know. He might be on one of those regiments, the Tom Brady one. I'm not exactly sure, but I hope that the testing is strong wherever they're doing that fight. I've been loving all the the, the uh, trailers and everything I've been seeing for this fight yeah. too. I think Showtime's doing a really good job of promoting this one, putting their rivalry out there for the fans to see. And also, you got to feed off that animosity, right? If it's there as a fight promoter and you're not using it in your coverage, uh, you're, you're doing it wrong if you ask me. But there's an interesting little angle on this fight, right? So I'm, let me just pull this up silently as I continue to talk here. Um, we talked a lot about how going the distance is a real probability in this fight, not just because of Caleb Plant's style, but also because this is the first time Benavidez is really facing a challenge like this, right? Um, so as I was sort of thinking about this matchup and trying to trying to think of all the different angles we could sort of bet this thing, I saw this line and I had to ask you about it because I know we you get into your betting as well. Um, I sent you over some picks for the for the UFC card last weekend. So always trying to trying to get a little angle, see if there's something that I like out there. And as far as prop bets, so we have th this one is funny. It's funny that this is actually plus money. So we have David Benavidez by KO or TKO at minus 150. And then as far as by decision, we have Caleb Plant by decision plus 400 or Joseph Benavidez by decision at plus 420. So I just wanted to ask your thoughts, given those different lines, because I think one of those are not like the other. So <laughs> anything wet in your lips when you hear those lines? Well, like we talked about on my show, if it goes to distance, we favor Caleb Plant in a fight that goes to distance, right? We believe that he is the better boxer. So hearing him going to distance at plus 450 is kind of enticing as, as far as a better for sure. Uh, and, you know, we both, sorry to spoil it, we both picked Benavidez to win uh, by knockout, late knockout. But we all both also said we wouldn't be shocked if it went the distance and Kato Plant pulled it off. So as a betting man, especially with that plus line like that, I'm kind of leaning towards putting my money on Plant going the distance and winning by decision. Yeah, man, it's scary. I actually like the um, David Benavidez by decision as well because it's, it's mm -hmm. sneaky enough where it's like, I could see that happening, and then the price is worth the return. A lot of the yeah. times when I look at these lines, when I when I when it speaks to my gut a little bit, if it's if it's hovering at that plus four hundred mark, sometimes I just throw a little little five bucks I never want to hear from again around there just yeah. in case because <laughs> the line is too good to be true. And in this case, I think that's definitely where you should be looking to bet if anywhere. I think um, if you bet Caleb Plant in the, in the distance and you hit it, I mean, you're a fucking guru. I can't, I, I gotta ask you for picks every week. Uh, but I, I think I'm definitely going to be telling that, uh, by decision prop as well. So any final thoughts on this fight, as far as looking forward to it and, and any sort of way to put it to bed before we move on to the next one? I just think that this really has the potential to be a classic. It has a potential to be one of those fights years from now we're going to talk about when we talk about these guys' careers. And in boxing, we don't get this too often. This is a treat. Unfortunately, it's a treat in boxing where you have two guys in their prime, former champions, one only one loss between them, which came to Canelo Alvarez on Plant's part. 
and Benavidez only lost his titles on the scale and in other ways, and you know his past troubles in his career. So when you talk about two fighters in their primes fighting like this at this level, and there's an interim belt on the line, but there's no real belt on the line. This is more about who's the better man, who's the better guy. I have beef with you. I want to sell it in the ring. We don't normally get this. So if you're a boxing fan or you're somebody trying to return to boxing, this is the fight to return to. And it's also a pretty good undercard as well. So this is a really good event for boxing fans to tune in. Tune It's worth the price of admission. Like if it's going to be $75 or $85 for the pay-per-view, I'm putting that out there. I'm going to go ahead and pay it. But I'm a, I'm a boxing fan, so I'm a, I'll pay for Unfortunately, I pay for a lot of stuff. But it's going to be <laughs> But it's it's something that's worth paying for for the casual fan as well. Heck yeah, man. It's expensive to be a fight fan nowadays. Yeah. Between the UFC and the boxing, <laughs> you'll, you'll end up with a pretty penny just watching these events yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. I agree with you 100%, man. And I really hope that, because uh, we're setting it up, right? But there's a real chance that this ends the way a lot of David Benavidez fights end. Yeah. And, and it won't be disappointing. I think if it does end in a quick knockout like it has been for him, I think that really says more than than anything as far as any other potential outcome. I think if he's able to do what he has been doing with the step up yeah. in competition, I think that's a real eye-opening moment for Canelo oh, Alvarez sure. and whoever his next potential opponent may be. So there's a lot of stakes no matter which way it goes. So I love it. That's the only scary part for me. If he does say he just runs through plant two rounds, he's going to be the most avoided boxer <laughs> in the world that happens. So it's, it's a catch 22. Cause if he does do it, it's like, Oh, that's super impressive. He's the guy who everybody needs to fight now. But on the other hand, everybody's going to have every excuse in the book not to fight him. All the money's not right. The ring size not right. I don't like his manager. Like everything in the book is going to come out to try to avoid this man if he does that. I love it. Dra draft ducking. That's what I call it. Trying to, <laughs> trying to find any angle to get out that draft. Um, yeah. I, I'm I'm really a fan of both of these guys, though, and I'm hoping that we get a good fight, right? There's a lot of times yeah. where we where we have a hype for a fight like this and then it doesn't deliver. I think this one's going to deliver big time. I think that it might even be a little bit of um, trying to catch up to Canelo here for Benavidez, trying to trying to make a statement faster than he could, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I think the experience that Caleb Plant had against Canelo is going to directly try to prevent that, right? So yeah. really looking forward to seeing how they end up clashing on the night. But with all that being said, I think the biggest theme to move forward and think about is just how boxing as a whole, right? For a long time now, everyone has been talking about the big comparisons between MMA and boxing. And I think boxing has really set itself apart in the last two years or so. Um, as far as not not being the same old, same old like they used to be, trying to get these fights done, trying to give us the fights that we want in a timely fashion, and also a lot of people stepping up. That's going to be the theme when we get later on in the event. Uh, but before we get there, there's going to be a couple a couple more less heralded names, but some I'm really excited for nonetheless. Um, I threw this one on there. I try to sneak it in on you. Robesi Romerez versus Isaac Dogbo. Now, I was in attendance for... Um, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, Joe Smith and Arthur Betterbia fight. And he was on the undercard in that fight. And I was just blown away by his skills. I think as a Southpaw, you're already difficult to face, right? Yeah. Uh, but coming from that Cuban boxing style, not only does he have um, range tools, but he also has really slick power in exchanges. And, and that's hard to find usually with the Cuban boxing style. So I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of Robesi Ramirez. Um, to be honest, 
I think this is going to be a one-way traffic. I don't, I don't know how you feel about this matchup, but I, I feel like this is going to be one-way traffic. I think Dogwell's been around the block, um, and, and right now is sort of slim pickings. What, what are your thoughts on this matchup? I was hoping that you were going to go the other way because I feel the same way. I was like, <laughs> I was hoping that you were like going to find something for Dogbo because you got to have before we you know we just go on about Ramirez. Got to give all the respect in the world to Dogbo for being able to fight his way back into title contention, right? A few years ago, he took two con- just very decisive losses to Emmanuel Navarrete. And we all know Navarrete has a very weird style, very long, especially for that weight class. And Dogbo, because he's so short in stature and reach, really had no chance against Navarrete in that style and that reach that he has. But now he's going against Ramirez, who you mentioned, longer reach, not as tall as Navarrete, but long reach as well. Very good style. He's somebody who he can win this fight on the outside, but he's also good fighting on the inside as well. Uh, he's somebody who's very, very skilled, very versatile. And again, all respect in the world to Dog Bowl, but I, I, I don't see him having a shot in this one. <laughs> I, I think he's going to need that dog in this fight for sure. I think, <laughs> I think he's going to have a lot to overcome. But yeah. I, I, I think something to watch out for, too. I, obviously, once again, this is we're not trying to be the Horace show. But at the end of the day, what, what we see on tape jumps out, right? Yeah. I think uh, something to keep your eye on, too, is the the pivots and combinations. I really love the way he angles off, um, even not not just offensively, but defensively as well. You, it's rare you see someone do that on both ends, right, to be able to capitalize mm-hmm. off those angles offensively and also get out of the way using them, too. Uh, a really, really good ring craft from Robesi. And I, like you said, man, matchup-wise, when you look at the last couple fights, it, it feels like it's tailor-made, obviously, especially for a vacant title. Sometimes the writing on, uh, is on the wall with these kind of fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely do hope that Dogbo can give him some sort of uh, competition, give him some sign to get his feet wet in that deeper end of the division. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a title fight, so to speak, right? So you want to you wanna show up for those. Uh, but the, the more I thought about it, the more it was hard for me to see a, a competitive yeah. fight in this one, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like I said, I was hoping that you were going to come with something to go against what I was thinking. I was like, like, nah, I can't see it. For sure, man. Sometimes you just really impress with these prospects, man. And and that's what is also really exciting about boxing right now, too. There's a lot of undercards that are coming up with guys that I didn't even put on this list where you're like, that's that's a fight to watch out for because they're going to grow for sure. Um, And and that's something I love to see no matter what uh, combat sports, just seeing the way the divisions develop, right? Uh, yeah. But that's it for that one on that same day of April 1st, uh, we're supposed to be having Anthony Joshua versus Jermaine Franklin. Now, when this got announced, I was frankly surprised, right? I know that Francis Ngannou is still out there, a free agent, someone that they were looking at to end up in a sort of big boxing ticket. Um, I, I could see potentially that fight uh either going to Deontay Wilder or Anthony Joshua when they when they first started talking about it. So now it's looking like more towards um, Deontay Wilder. But given the fact that he's signed to fight Jermaine Franklin, what what do you think the the sort of plan here is for Anthony Joshua? Are they trying to really build him back up for another title run? Is this entirely for his ego? Because I think this fight, I don't know, it might be a little bit of a trap fight. What, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, yeah, it's definitely something that could be a trap fight. Any fight in heavyweight division, you have to take seriously because everyone has power and can knock you out. But this should be a remember who I am fight, right? This should be that type of fight. Uh, you know, I always quote Roy Jones Jr., y'all must have forgot, right? And this is Anthony Joshua's y'all must have forgot moment. This is where he should, he should look good. 
if he does not beat Jermaine Franklin, we may be looking at the end of Joshua's career. Yeah. Like that's how serious it is when it comes to this fight. And hopefully they're able to build him back up in a few fights and he could be there to fight against a Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder. Those fights are still out there. Uh, even a third fight against Andrew Ruiz is out there. Andrew Ruiz will definitely want that, want to redeem himself after coming into that second fight in the craziest out of shape that you could come in uh, to a title fight in. So that's still out there. There's still a lot of fights that can be made for Anthony Joshua. He just has to get back on the winning track to have those fights be attractive again. So this is the first step in that process. For sure. I agree with that 100%. There's, something I, there's another angle from this that I wanted to ask you, though. Obviously, the Usyk rematch was was sort of a gift, right? It wasn't warranted based off the the first performance, but when you're that side of the of the coin, you get those kind of things, right? Yeah. Um, fucking bizarre ending to that one, where he's just sort of <laughs> in in the ring, just ranting, yeah. raving. Uh, felt like he was really trying to make it clear that this was his moment that he lost out on, which is just such a weird place to come from, especially yeah. after you just lost for the second time against the same guy. Like, just such a weird way to go about it. Um, how do you feel about his mental coming into this one? Because I think that's why they sort of went with the step down and, and maybe yeah. didn't pursue someone like a Andy Ruiz for a, a third matchup. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Like you said, it was very bizarre to watch him, you know, get the mic. And I thought at first he was just going to say, you know, congratulations to the better guy. You know, he deserves this moment. But then he just kept going on and on. <laughs> and he even had a point where Yusek tried to get the mic back. And he was like, nah, nah, I'm like, I'm good. I'm talking right now. I was like, hey, bro, like you just got beat. Like, how you, how you going to be like trying to bully the mic? That's <laughs> somebody who just beat you. Uh, so, yeah, it was very weird. I think that his confidence definitely took a, a hit after losing twice in a row to the same guy. And, he, you know, he's never dealt with that in his career, right? He's had the time with Ruiz, but he knew, like, okay, I can change my strategy up against Ruiz and I can win the second fight. Against Usyk, after that first loss, it was like, we don't know if he can. there's any way for him to beat Usyk, right, unless he knocks him out. But there was no way for him to outbox Usyk. And he saw that in the second one. He even said during that crazy spill where he was like, I worked hard and, you know, you beat me because of skill. You're just more skilled than me. Like, it was, so I think it's something that his ego was trying to work his way through in that process. It was, weird, it was weird that he did it out loud. Like he should have went in the back and tried to work through that mentally by himself. But, you know, we all have our, our you know, our down times. We try to work through them in different ways. So we saw that. And I think this is definitely a confidence boosting fight for Anthony Joshua. But again, no disrespect to Franklin. He's somebody who's a veteran, got a good record, and has some powers. So you definitely don't want – we've seen Joshua go down. So you don't want to take it lightly. Franklin could hit him with that nasty shot. And Franklin's trying to make a name for himself as well. He's trying to have that last type of boost to his career where maybe he gets a big fight after this. So do not take it lightly. Definitely. Don't take it lightly. Kind of felt at the end there that it was like uh, you you sitting at karaoke and you're like asking for an encore. Like the, the crowd isn't asking for it, but you're like, Dude, you need one more, right? Just one more. So strange. I agree with you 100%. I think looking back at um, Jermaine Franklin's last fight against Dylan White, I thought, I mean, a lot of people, it was very competitive, right? It was a competitive yeah. close fight, and that's why his sort of name got revitalized as a contender uh, because of how close he fought Dylan White. But let's be clear, he lost that fight, right? <laughs> um, but it, it was back and forth. Don't get me wrong. A lot of both guys were buzzed, but at the end of the day, he lost via unanimous decision. I think. What I don't like about this fight for Joshua, beyond it being a trap fight, is, like, I don't see 
how this is building towards your future fights. Like, I feel like yeah. this stylistically is going to be asking him to stick and move, to jab and move around. When I feel like against the upper echelon of this division where he's trying to be, I feel like he needs to craft more towards being a puncher than a boxer puncher. Um, so I, I don't I don't know exactly where developmentally this is going to lead him. Uh, but I agree. I think ultimately trying to pick up that that dub again and getting that momentum is what matters the most. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested to see what kind of headspace he's in come fight week and whether or not uh, those weird things keep on keep mm -hmm. on coming. But uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Nonetheless, I think it's hilarious. That it's on April 1st, too. Right. Just more <laughs> shenanigans. Just, just bring all the shenanigans for this one. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right. So next up, this one is going to be taking place on April 8th. Uh, shout out to Prudential Center. Um, lo love the arena. Uh, Newark is one of the shittiest places on earth. Shout, <laughs> shout out to Newark. Literally, literally never once in my life, never once in my life have I been more afraid to have somebody walk up to me and ask me for a lighter. Never in my <laughs> life. I was like, what, what do you, why are you coming over here, sir? Uh, but I, I watched a couple events there. The, the, the event space is nice, but the area, mm -hmm. hey. Get, get a get a hotel downtown. But anyway, um, Shakur Stevenson, I'm a huge fan of what he's doing, and I love that he's moved up, right? Like, I think yeah. it, it always felt like a matter of time, but especially the last couple, it's just like, all right, there's no reason for you to stay at this yeah. weight class when uh, we no, have I'm a four king yeah. situation here waiting for you at 135. So really excited for this is his, uh, if I'm not mistaken, his debut here at lightweight and yeah. it's already a title eliminator. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. This is where I ask for your expertise. I have never <laughs> even heard of the man that he's coming up against. So <laughs> what are your thoughts on this matchup, Damien and, and his debut at lightweight? So, yeah, I'm very excited to see his debut at 135. Uh, the guy that he's going against, Shushiro Yoshino, uh, is someone who's he's tough, right? He's a tough fighter. Uh, he's somebody who does have power. Uh, but outside of that, do I see him having a chance in this fight? No, I don't see him <laughs> having much of a chance against Shakur Stevenson. Uh, but he does have a good chin, so it's probably going to go the distance, right? But I can see Stevenson winning 11 to 1, 10 to 2, something like that. And Shakur Stevenson, I believe we're in the process of seeing a special career, right? I don't know if we talked about Stevenson before on you know, a podcast that we've done together, but I believe that Stevenson has the potential to go down as one of the all-time greats in boxing history. Like he's going to go down with like Floyd Mayweather, Pinnell Whitaker on that type of skill level as far as his defensive acumen, the way that he's able to protect himself and be aggressive at times. He could march you down. Like he could walk you down and still not get hit. Like that's how good he is defensively. And this fight will definitely show that. Uh, Yoshino will try to muck it up. He's going to try to make it ugly. But we've seen Stevenson in those situations. He can handle that as well. He can fight in the pocket. He can do all those things. There's nothing really that he can't do outside of, like, the one-punch knockout power. Uh, if he had that, it would be unfair. So, they like, so the boxing guys had to take something away from him. It was like, you can't have the one-punch knockout power along with all the other skills. Uh, so I think that this is just a stepping stone for Stevenson to go ahead and now be – Right, like you said, with the Devin Haney's, Lamachinkos, with all those guys at 135 or even at 140, if somebody up there wants to come down and fight him, I think that this is just the step into him taking on all great fights after this. Like this is just a okay, we need you to fight somebody at 135. Let's put him here against an undefeated guy who's earned the right to be in the title eliminator and see what happens. But Stevenson should win pretty easily. Man, I agree with you 100%. What I what I find really exciting about his career, too, is I, I think right now, 
uh, given the state of things, right? We have uh, Devin Haney versus Lomachenko signed for later on. We'll talk about that later on as well. But when you consider all the matchups at this division, I I think Shakur beats all of them, and and that's what makes it so exciting for him to move up because you it's rare that you're looking at someone down a weight class and sizing him up against other people in in a prominent division, and and you really see the path to victory there, especially yeah. against guys like Javante Davis and um, <clears throat> Ryan Garcia. Like I feel like if either of those guys were to fight Shakur, I think that's one of one of his easier fights in the division. So. Um, and that's big to say about someone that hasn't even fought at the division yet, right? So I, I have high praise, but there's something I wanted to ask you, man. Between him and Devin Haney, the the constant sort of, well, hey, we need to figure out where their punching power is, is always the disclaimer whenever anyone talks about them. Yeah. Me personally, I'm never really on that train because I really appreciate uh, the, the things that they're able to do in the ring. But at the end of the day, we do know what puts butts in seats, right? Um, yeah. Do you think that Shakur Stevenson is more in line with the Floyd Mayweather as far as his career development, because I see him playing that heel a little bit and yeah. not being interested in uh, listening to the hype and trying to double down on his power. I think he has good power. Like, I don't think he has pillows for fists the way um, things were rumored about Floyd Mayweather his whole career. I don't think it's that kind of level. I just yeah. think he's really committed to his style and isn't trying to really get outside of that. What do you think about his punching power and its sort of upside looking forward? He definitely has good power. Like you say, it's not pillows, hands. It's not like someone like a Pauli Malignaggi back in the day where people just literally walk through his punches. And Malignaggi was a very good boxer. But unfortunately, his punching power, lack thereof, kind of cost him in some fights because people just walk through his punches. You're not walking through Stevenson's punches. People didn't walk through Mayweather's punches. Like, like you ask people who fought against Mayweather, they're like, okay, he wasn't Pacquiao with the power. But you weren't walking through. Like, when he hit you, you felt it. And that's why people stopped in their tracks and like, oh, okay. And it was also, what adds to his power is the accuracy and how sharp it is. So when you're getting hit with something that you don't see, and it's, it's like, bah, bah, oh, that adds to it. Because now you're like, oh, okay, now I got to really be careful because he's punching this fast, this sharp, and it hurts. Now I got to really be on my, my, you know, my P's and Q's. So I think that he has good power. Devin Haney as well. Like, they both have good power. You're not walking through what they're throwing. They just don't have that crazy tank-like one-punch knockout power. And that's fine. Like, you can have a very good career without that. And you mentioned that he could be that heel. I can definitely see that. I can see him being that heel, especially when he fights outside of New Jersey, outside of New York, outside of that area. I can see him taking on that heel role, especially, like, being somebody who I can see you know, being a quote-unquote pretty boy and, like, leaning into that. Like, he doesn't get hit. He's coming in smiling. Like, okay, what you going to do about it? And I can see people, like, rooting for him to lose. And it's going to add to his popularity. So I can definitely see him taking that route. For sure, definitely. I, I really like his snapping power, though. I think people yeah. sleep on his jab specifically. Like, that yeah. – that, that, that isn't a jab that you're just flicking out there. Like he, he sits yeah. on it well. And I like the way he steps into it too. Like there's, there's variations to it. And, and yeah. that's something that I love to see in boxing, man. When, when a lot of the times you hear jab, jab, cross, jab, cross, it's very stationary. Right. But there's yeah. so many different sort of ways to use the jab, whether you're yeah. advancing or, or moving backwards. And he has the full toolkit, man. So yeah. definitely someone to look out for, especially if he's catching you at the end of those punches. Like you said, it's, it's not going to be an easy night for you whatsoever. So really looking forward to him making his debut. I am a little concerned, though, that 
um, he'll just become the villain before he even gets to that stage as far as championship level, right? So this is for a vacant belt, but we know who the champions are in this division, right? Like they, there's no mistake about it. The the full four belts are about to be up on the line again. So um, it's sort of looking forward to those matchups, no matter how you slice it. Uh, but I think good stepping stone, good good first step in this division for yeah. sure. So. Speaking of the the division of kings at the moment in boxing, if you ask me, Javante Davis versus Ryan Garcia. This one is taking place on April twenty second. Hopefully everything works out because I don't know. There's still <laughs> there's still some other stuff too. Uh, Javante has a trial. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that yeah. could potentially go wrong. Uh, but with fingers crossed. First of all, I just want to ask you, like when this fight got made, how did you feel? Because honestly, I I didn't really believe it. And then yeah. we saw some negotiations pop up, and I'm like, ah, I knew it. Uh, but somehow it's still stuck together. Yeah. Now, when they, like, announced it fully and said, like, we have a date, I was like, oh, this is really going to happen. Like, this is, because at first it was, oh, we got an agreement. I'm waiting on Ryan to sign. Ryan said, oh, I'm waiting on Tank to sign. Oh, I saw him at a club, and we tried to talk about it, but the security pushed me away. Like, all this different stuff going on. But finally, we got, like, oh, this is the date. And then we actually had, like, press conferences for it, too. So I'm like, oh, this is legit going to happen. I thought for sure that there was going to have something, some type of disagreement between Showtime and uh, the Zone or Matchroom and or it's Golden Boy, excuse me, Golden Boy and Tanks Management. I thought it was going to be, you know, some craziness that went down, but they got it together. And I'm like, yo, this is what we need in boxing. Like you said, the last few years, we've been trying to have this push. And it's been, you know, boxing fans like myself screaming, like we need to make the fights that the fans want to see. Like, we can't just have these guys taking on people that even diehards like myself haven't heard of just to build their names up to wait for that big moment. Like, we need to have them take on each other. And this is the first step in that process. And I'm very excited about this fight. This is one of those fights that you try to break it down. You're like, ah, I don't know which way to go. Like, this is the type of fight you want. A hundred percent. I'm I'm so looking forward to this fight because the way the styles clash, but also just the heat, right? Like there's natural heat there. Loving watching the press conference where, I mean, you're talking shit, you're jawing, but we're not getting stupid, right? Like we're, we're able to mm -hmm. we're able to sell the fight entirely. They're both leaning into it. They know what's going on. A lot of the times you see build up like that, and it's clear that one guy they're not in on it, right? So they're just yeah. getting upset. They're mad. That's yeah. not the case at all. They're able to hold, like, what was it, like a three-minute straight face down where they're right in each other's face talking shit. Uh, yeah. Love it. The theater of that and what that brings to, to a fan base just gets you so pumped for a fight, regardless of how the matchup is. So but before you even consider how the fight's going to look, you're already hyped up for it. But, man, the, the more I break it down, this is a fight that me and my, my dad talk about a lot, funny enough. And he's entirely on on the train that ryan garcia is gonna knock out tank he for whatever reason he's holding <laughs> something against tank i don't know what it is um but he's confident and every time i'm talking to him about it, i'm bringing up that Campbell fight i'm like man i don't know that was i never i never expected to see him get hurt by someone like that my dad's like you know campbell's a puncher i'm like eh, I, I don't know about him being such a puncher as you make it seem yeah. especially for him to get dropped like that yeah campbell was solid but he definitely wasn't somebody you consider like a power puncher in that way. So I was shocked when that happened as well when he got knocked down by Campbell. I mean, but but when you watch stuff like that, and we were talking about this too when we were to when we were on your show talking about the Caleb Plant fight, moments like that give you medal for these championship moments. And yeah. the fact that he was able to come back from that shot 
that would have put out most people. Like it was perfectly placed. He he fell really bad. Like you know, yeah. it's a bad drop when, and and I say this with all due respect, but when their head isn't like when you can't control your head on the way down and and you're yeah. hitting your head on the mat. That's, that's when neck. you know it's a bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all my family got strong neck, baby. We play football. So, so when you see that loose neck, you in trouble. Um, so for him to come back from a shot like that, that laid him out, and then put it on strong after that, and not be afraid yeah. to to enter the fire. The kid's a natural fighter, man. You got to give him that. Uh, but when you consider the matchup, man, when I see someone get hit like that, and then I see the way that Tank is able to hit people. I don't think it's going to come easy. I don't think it's going to come early, but I, I feel like at some point he's, he's not going to be able to avoid that power the whole night. Yeah. That's the scary thing, right? Is he going to be able to avoid the big punch from tank? He does have the reach advantage. He can fight from the outside, but the thing is tank you've mentioned before. That's one thing that's underrated about tank. Tank can fight from the outside. Like he's a very good boxer and he gets overshadowed by the fact that his punching power is so massive. Uh, so that's something that he may even invite. Tank might invite that type of fight where he's fighting from the outside and wait for that one chance for Ryan to mess up. And one thing that I was thinking about in this fight, Ryan has to take advantage of his height and size, but he can't do it in a way where he exposes himself. So he has to be tall. You definitely want to take advantage of being tall and not fight to his height, but you also don't want to be tall and expose yourself. So when I say that, I mean like he can't throw any looping punches to where he leaves himself open for one of those massive uppercuts, right? Or he can't be throwing jabs and backing up to a position where he can't move, right? So one of the famous knockouts that Javali Davis has now is when he knocked out Leo Santa Cruz. Leo Santa Cruz, great boxer, Hall of Fame dude. He was jabbing, backing up, and got himself in a position where he couldn't move. He jabbed, Javante Davis slipped underneath, caught him with a classic uppercut and knocked him out cold. That's something that could happen to Ryan Garcia if he's not careful. And Ryan Garcia doesn't have the best footwork. Or at least I haven't seen it yet. Mm. Right? Great hand speed, great coordination with his hands. The feet, not so much, right? And Tank does have the, the feet work, right? He does have the footwork to be able to move around and be able to get on the inside or the outside and do it in those ways. So the versatility of Tank, I think, will be shown in this fight. But also, you mentioned the mental of Anthony Joshua earlier. Ryan Garcia is another person who's going through the mental battles, right? As far as you know, he's going through mental health battles. And what I'm seeing in these press conferences is that he's in a really good place mentally. And it looks like he's really focused and really ready. Uh, so this one, I really see two fighters who are in their best places now. With Tank, he has a lot of stuff going on, but he's had stuff going on before. He seems like somebody who can really compartmentalize in a great way and go into that ring and whatever's going on outside, he gets about it and focuses on the task. Uh, so this one, man, I really... Ah, this is tough, man. This is a tough one to pick. And this is what you love. The fights that make you hesitate on the pick, this is what you need right here. Heck yeah. When we could go back and forth multiple times and not even throw out our pick yet because the yeah. options are out there, right? There's so many ways yeah. the fight can go. And real quick, before we even get into that, what what I really love about this matchup too is like obvious, the obvious standpoint is like Ryan Garcia needs to get to him early. And, mm -hmm. and everyone's saying, you know, he needs to get to him early and that's the only way that he could really win. And I think, honestly, if you look at the styles and the way that Javante has fought, even watching that Roley Romero fight again back, like, he expects people to pressure him early. <laughs> like, that, that, that's what we see all the time. Um, so I, I think there's a real scenario where if Ryan Garcia takes it a little too far beyond that edge and is 
really committed to pressuring early where he could end up in a situation almost similar. And I know don't call me a casual. Okay. But <laughs> the, the point I'm about to make is valid. Okay. It's yeah. a, it's a polar uh, polarizing fight. I give you that. But I think in Mayweather versus McGregor, we saw Mayweather invite that pressure from McGregor where we felt as, as a fan base, right? Like, oh, he's coming on. He's, he's doing more than most people could. He's actually yeah. putting it on Floyd. I think there is going to be some of that gamesmanship in this fight where Javante is purposely allowing Brian Garcia to pressure, getting him a little tired, getting him overextended, and then catching him coming in. And that's the way you sort of mitigate the reach when you're fighting someone that's much bigger than you. So I really think it's on Ryan Garcia to stay disciplined with his pressure, not get overextended like you were saying, because this isn't someone that's just a puncher. Like, all of his knockouts are either built off of defensive reads that he made earlier in the fight or come from a position where he's already wore you out to a certain extent, let you have your burst coming forward, and now he's hunting you. And I think if Ryan Garcia ends up in a spot where he's tired come the sixth or seventh round and he's like, man, I can't get to this guy, even though I'm pressuring him, I haven't been able to land the way I want to. That's where the real danger begins, in my opinion, for Ryan Garcia. I don't think this is going to be early finish for either guy. And I think on paper, um, that's Ryan Garcia's best path to victory. So I. Personally, I feel like I'm leaning a little bit towards Javante Davis, uh, but honestly, what makes this fight so fun is it's very rare at this weight class, right? When you think historically that these stakes are here, usually at this weight, you're not supposed to be able to punch like this, right? Um, and, And that's what I love about, I think in boxing and in MMA right now, the men's 135 division, people need to wake up because the power has caught up with the speed in these divisions. And yeah. it leads for the most technical boxing with the the ramifications of those knockouts that we like to see, where yeah. it's like you you go past sort of middleweight and it's almost like you're watching a different sport, right? Like it's like the, the you can't do the stuff that those guys can do. And I just been in awe of 135ers across the board. Yeah, no, it's a great division. And it may be maybe the deepest division now because at first, well, for the first, I would say maybe two, three years ago, it was by far and away 147, right? When you had Keith Thurman and Sean Porter and Terrence Carver came into the division. Errol Spence was young. All these guys at 147 were killing it. And now you're starting to see 147 still have talent with young guys like Boots and Ortiz and those guys. But now you're starting to see some guys fade out of that division. And 135 or 140, you can kind of mix in there. Those two divisions really have so much talent right there. And we need to see these fights. Uh, and this is like, this is one of those high level bouts that the tension is going to be there the whole time because both guys have great power and, you know, both guys are one mistake away from maybe getting knocked out. And we've seen Garcia be hurt. We haven't seen Tank really be hurt though. So we don't know if Tank just has a granite chin or he just hasn't been tested like that. And, um, you made a great point about how a fighter can try to entice another fighter in and try to get them to overextend themselves. Ryan Garcia, I will give him credit on one thing. He hasn't really fallen into that trap yet. Even when he got knocked down against Campbell, it wasn't on that type of mistake, right? He was kind of leaning back and didn't expect the shot to come from Campbell. He's not going to do like a Raleigh Romero. Raleigh Romero, that was probably the most accurate prediction I've ever made in my life. I said exactly how that was going to go down. Romero was going to overextend himself and get caught with something in the sixth round. And even won money because I knew I was like, I just felt the sixth round was going to happen. And that was the only time I've ever like bet money on the exact round and got it. 
<laughs> like I knew Riley Romero was going to do that. But the thing is with Garcia, he's way more disciplined than Romero. Romero, I knew was going to get too excited, was going to lean and lunge into his punches, which left himself open for the, that type of shot that he got caught with. Ryan Garcia is, because he's so long, he doesn't have to lean and lunge into his punches. And if he doesn't do that, it is going to be harder for Tank to try to catch him with one of those shots coming in. So I think for Tank, he's going to have to catch him with something where he's coming in underneath something that Ryan threw. So he could duck underneath a left hook or underneath a jab and maybe come underneath like that instead of trying to catch Ryan coming in. That's where I think he can get him. Such a great point. And man, when it comes to outside storylines too, like the fight itself is a fucking banger. But then you mm. have the outside stuff too. Like for example, Ryan Garcia, this this is a new camp for him, right? Like he went through that whole camp, went, went with Canelo's team, was with them for extended periods of time. And then mm. for whatever reason, we still haven't really gotten the full details of that. To me, it seems a lot yeah. like ego stuff, uh, but he moved on to his new trainer. And I, I think I'm liking the, the the matchup there as far as how their their uh, skill sets work with each other. Um, yeah. I, I think he's had a lot of patient performances, right? He hasn't been that knockout puncher in the last two. But at the same time, I think that's a development he needed in his game that will help him in a fight like this. But then when you look at the other side of the coin, I think Javante, in a lot of ways, really is kind of like John Jones-esque when it comes to just bullshit following him no matter where he goes constantly dealing yeah. with a lot of stuff which it's almost like you're getting in your own way at this point yeah. and the fact that i mean this is just bugged out in itself just hear me out on this one the fact that this most recent trial that he went through um he already had a plea deal worked out with the defense and the judge actually said no like i'm gonna make sure that this goes to trial because you oh, bugging wow. the fuck out and even yeah. if you have the money to, to to basically write these things off I think a jury of your peers should decide what happens to you, not just uh, settling with money. And the fact that, uh, that the judge will feel the need to do that at all really shows to the seriousness of the kind of charges that are being brought up against Javante. Up until this point, he's dealt with multiple instances like this, and it hasn't affected him in the, in the ring. But you can't deny the... <laughs> the gravity that something like that has on someone's life. And especially yeah. at this point, I mean, the dates line up almost to the day where right after the fight, now he's dealing with this. So you can't tell me this isn't something that's on his mind. Yeah, no, it's definitely got to be in the back of his mind for sure. Uh, like I said earlier, he's been able to compartmentalize in a good way for most of his career. Maybe that's something that he's used to. Maybe it's something that you hear with some basketball players, they have to go out. They have to go out and party. They have to do these things because if they try to go on a straight and narrow, it affects their game in a negative way. Uh, so maybe for him, he has to have all this stuff going on around him to focus. But maybe he needs to find something else to go around. He needs to find another vice besides trouble, right? Uh, so it, it could be a factor. It could be a factor. If he goes in with, you know, 1% of his mind not on this fight, Ryan could catch him with something. That's something that's definitely on the table. For sure, man. I'm loving it. I'm loving this matchup. As always, we got to put the gun to the head. We got to make our picks here. I'll go first. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll put the, the heat off you a little bit. I think this one is really competitive in the first six. I think there's going to be moments okay. where we're going to have oohs and ahs in the crowd where we feel like either guy is sort of t having their moment. Uh, but I think as we get into those championship rounds, I think Javante really separates himself. I don't think he's going to end up finishing uh, Ryan Garcia. I think this one goes the distance. Uh, but I think this is going to be a real dramatic back and forth fight and really showcase um, the the importance of staying consistent in a division like this, uh, but also 
just how good Tank Davis is coming um, coming forward and going backwards. I think there's going to be multiple times in this fight where, where you're watching, you're going to be like, damn, like it almost looks like two different fighters meshed in one because it's so rare to find those skill sets so polished, especially for someone with all due respect at that stature for that weight. He is not big for that weight at all. And he's also had weight issues at this weight. So mm-hmm. when whenever you look ahead at other matchups, it's always, always that caveat, like, oh, but he's smaller, so he's probably going to get pieced up. But I think this matchup is really going to showcase his skills and, and really show why, in my opinion, he has the best chance out of anyone else right now against someone like Devin Haney. So I'm going with Javante by decision. What, what do you think, man? I like the way you broke that down. Definitely makes a lot of sense. Man, I can, I definitely think Javante is the better boxer, right? And I think that's what's going to carry the day for him is being able to fight on both the inside and outside. And I think that he'll be able to mix some things up on Ryan that Ryan hasn't seen yet. Like he hasn't been, he hasn't dealt with somebody who can fight both going forward and backward, like you said. Uh, And you know, Luke Campbell could do it to a certain extent, but Luke Campbell, like I said, Luke Campbell was solid. He wasn't special like Tank. Uh, so I think that Tank will win. Uh, do I see Ryan Garcia get knocked out, though? That's the thing. And Tank, I'm going to go Tank by a body shot, 11th round. Body shot, gonna be it's going to be reminiscent of Bernard Hopkins, Oscar De La Hoya. Body shot. You know, one of those liver shots, 11th round, Tank takes out Ryan Garcia. But very good fight. I do agree with you, a back-and-forth battle until then. Man, I love that. That's a deep pull right there. That, that's, a, <laughs> that's a fight that was nowhere near on the forefront of my brain, but literally <laughs> it very much so fits the stylistic matchup here. I thought, mm-hmm. I even now, I'm like, man, he's a match made in heaven for Golden Boy. I'm sure Oscar De La Hoya mm-hmm. is just flattening out his abs just thinking about this one so got got nothing, nothing but excitement and anticipation coming into this one man and honestly oh, with the abs man no, he's so ridiculous i love it though man do what you got to do especially as you, if you getting old, if you that old and you got a six pack i don't care what kind of injections you had to get respect that that that's not an easy thing to hey, do you got, <laughs> yeah you got the money to do it man you had to earn the money to get there so i, I respect it <laughs> Exactly. Got a full set of white pearly teeth and a chiseled up body. It's, it's, it's different. I don't know. The, the surgeries nowadays are amazing. Yeah, uh, but th- th- this next fight, there's no surgery that'll fix this man's physique. But shout out to Tyson Fury <laughs> being the ultimate, the ultimate dad bod heavyweight champ. And literally the most skilled, I would argue, in history that we've seen yeah. from this division uh, against another guy who's in that same conversation against Alexander Usyk. Obviously, this fight isn't concrete right now. There's been a lot of negotiations in the media, like you like to call it, the Real Housewives of Boxing, sending each other Instagram videos back and <laughs> forth. So cringe. I hate it. Uh, but at this point, you just got to accept it's a part of the boxing yeah, game, man. literally uh, just negotiating in public. Apparently, right now, the stipulation is the rematch club and U6 uh, green to 70-30 split, which is kind of crazy wow. and almost unheard of. Yeah, uh, when you consider nuts. he's the the he's also a title holder in, in a big yeah. sense. Um, but I could also I get the status, but to get him to agree, uh, that's crazy. And apparently Usyk yeah. is saying that he already agreed to that, but he just wants a rematch clause, and that's what's holding up uh, the final bout being signed. So we'll see what comes of that. But as of right now, let's just proceed as if this is a fight that's going to happen. Um, when, whenever I think about this fight, it's kind of like um, <laughs> it's kind of like me salivating on 
the growth of the sport. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but when you consider the way that these guys fight, they're not your typical heavyweight. They're not the person uh, where you're like, man, like this knockout puncher is coming to destroy the division. Both of these guys really made their medal doing the exact opposite, being boxer punchers first. And um, I think the real story of this matchup now is the later developments of Tyson Fury's career where he's really focused on sitting down on his punches and being that heavyweight uh, puncher as well as a boxer, mending those two skill sets together. It isn't easy. And I think there was some times even in his most recent fight where obviously he was set up to look great in that, in that trilogy bout, right? The trilogy that should have never happened. Uh, But even then there was some moments in that fight where you saw him putting together combinations, but he just couldn't get them out of there. And, in a, in a fight like this where, you, in my opinion, you're facing the most competitive person as far as skill set, you can't let them get away if you do have them hurt like that the way we, we saw in his last fight. So I'm really intrigued about this matchup. There's so many different angles, so many ways we could sort of theorize this one. What are your thoughts on this heavyweight showdown? It's so crazy because when I look at a fight, the first thing I do is look at the sizes of the people fighting right to see like you know what can this person use against the other person size wise and do they use their size you know some people have size advantages but don't use it in the way that they're supposed to but when you talk about this type of size difference it's hard to even put your mind around the size difference in this one Tyson Fury in his last fight was 270 pounds pretty much right against Shazora 6'9 inch reach and Usyk's last fight against Joshua he was 221 pounds. So you're talking about 50 pounds in weight difference. Like that alone is just so bananas when it comes to a boxing match and how to even go about trying to break it down. When you talk about two dudes who are same weight class, but not the same weight class, right? And you sick, you know, 6'3, 78 inch reach, which used to be the thing is, if you sick was fighting back in like the 90s, he would be considered like a big heavyweight. That's the crazy yep. part. Like he'd be, he'd be considered like a big heavyweight because he was he's bigger than Van Holyfield. You know, he's kind of right there underneath uh, Lance Lewis. Like he, he wouldn't be considered a small guy at all. And today, he, like obviously, he's a small dude in every division. And you just try to picture how can Usyk affect Fury? And Usyk is amazing. He's an amazing boxer, right? And going into that first fight against Joshua. Joshua's favor. And I remember thinking, I wonder if people have seen Usyk fight. Because I was like, why is Joshua favor? And I, I was one of the few, you know, the boxing matches I won a lot of money on. So I, was like, I, wonder, I was like, why is Usyk, why is Joshua favorite on Usyk? But it was just the size, right? People seen Joshua knock people out. They seen Joshua do all these things at that size. And I always said, Joshua looks like what, if you told a person who was really good at drawing to draw the heavyweight champion of the world, they would draw Anthony Joshua, right? Anthony Joshua looks like the heavyweight champion of the world. Usyk and Fury do not. And I just really can't even, I'm trying to picture a way Usyk can win, but I also can't really picture Usyk losing. So it's really hard to really break it down and make a prediction for this fight. I don't know if you have any same type of problems I'm having even trying to break this down. I agree with you, man. I think I think the real hard spot that we're in is we saw both guys have adversity for stretches, right? But we also saw yeah. them both come out the other side of it. And I think yeah. when you see that, there's a different respect to the metal, right? Of what, what they can overcome, where 
you you kind of feel like I mean I mean that old Teddy Teddy Atlas quote right like uh, a fight isn't a fight to the sun to overcome like all the time when you have someone that you can trust to make those adjustments to overcome those tough moments it's hard to even envision them losing in the first place so I agree yeah. man this matchup is really fun whenever I really think about it and get down to the nitty gritty I think that. <laughs> Um, Tyson Fury is one of my favorite fighters ever. So I'm just going to, I'm going to admit my bias right now. Um, as, as the resident thick dude of this podcast right now, you got, you got to love what he can do and what he brings to the table. Obviously no physical specimen really ever like him that we've ever seen as far as, um, having the reach, but also knowing how to use it. Right. So I think he would be smart to focus on his fighting style prior to working with his new trainer and really focus on his outside boxing and keeping things at range. I think if he was to stay disciplined and fight a fight like that, I think it's just going to be very hard for Usyk to get into the fight just because there's so many neutralizing tools at range. He could keep him at bay. And honestly, I, I, I think if you're Tyson Fury, you focus on the clinch here. Anytime that Usyk is really advancing and trying to get momentum, throwing that straight left down the middle, do whatever you can to angle off and then get in the clinch and really weigh on him. We saw him do that in many of his other fights too, yeah, using his size to his advantage. Exactly. Using his size to an advantage to try to gas out his opponent. Um, I think there is a trap though, that Tyson Fury can fall in where he's starting to have some success on the feet. He's landing punches and he's starting to feel that momentum shift a little bit. And now he's really pressuring. I think that's where the problems really, really begin because U6 yeah. footwork is really tremendous. Shout out to Papachenko. Yes. Like that team is legit. Like even though Lomachenko has definitely fell off in his la- latter stage of his career, and and yeah, yeah. that's been the storyline. I think you got to respect when trainers have a style and they can make it work with people that aren't even nowhere near the same weight class, right? Like that's a true and a tied and true style when, when you're coaching and you could teach fighters to basically teach fight the same way, even though they're fighting in weight classes that are about 50 pounds apart. Um, So I got a lot of respect for Usyk and his team. I think the adjustments are going to be there. And ultimately if he can catch Tyson Fury over aggressive and trying to march forward. I think he can do exactly what he did to Joshua. Just land a lot of slick shots, get out the way and really keep, keep Fury almost feeling like, well, this is how it must feel when these guys are fighting me. Like I, I've never <laughs> felt this before where I'm getting punished for my advancements. Um, so I, I really feel like the onus is really on Tyson Fury in this one. I think if he stays within himself and he really focuses on weighing down on Usyk and keeping him stationary, right? Not letting him travel all across the ring and, and skirt on the outside. If he can dominate that space, I think this is his fight to lose. Uh, but I could see a lot of ways in which we get into the heavyweight muck of things, right? Things people yeah. start breathing a little heavy. And uh, t- Tyson Fury starts turning a shade of red, like your shirt. <laughs> starts, starts, <laughs> starts getting sweaty in there. And then before we know it, uh, Fury's really landing some nice combinations as he's retreating so really look out for that in in this matchup and i tend to lean towards fury i'm definitely biased uh but honestly i wouldn't be sad to see either of these guys win because i really love both their stories to be honest yeah no it's a great fight it's one that you definitely want to see and you just want to see it from just a curious standpoint right just how is it going to work out how is music going to even try to approach Try and get on the inside against Fury. Is Fury going to try to knock him out, right? Like you mentioned, his last few fights, he's been really focusing on that, especially that knockout against uh, Dillian White. Like he was like, oh, I'm going to sit down on his uppercut and I'm going to knock you out. 
uh, and you wonder if he's going to try to do that, but you know that Usyk isn't going to be there for the uppercut the way Dillian White was, right? He's not going to be caught by something like that. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting. I do lean Fury just because of the size difference and the skill. Like you said, a lot of people have had the size, right? We've seen some of these crazy, massive fighters before. Uh, I was looking up, like, some of the biggest weight differences between fighters before, and one that I saw that came up from maybe, like, I would say, like, a decade ago. Uh, you had Nikola Vukovic against David Hay. Vukovic uh, mm. was, like, seven feet tall, like, 315 pounds. Going against David Hay, was, like, a cruiserweight moving up to heavyweight. He was 218. So we've seen, like, these crazy weight differences before, but... Obviously, those guys weren't skilled like Fury that were going up against these other guys. So because of the skill of Fury, I do lean Fury. But like you said, Usyk is so good. I can see him finding some type of way to get on the inside, some type of way to start scoring those shots. Like I said, that straight left hand is deadly. Somehow, he, you know it's coming. You know the straight left hand is coming. But somehow, he finds a way to duck in there, hesitate, faint. And next thing you know, you get hit right in the face with it. Uh, so, And that's going to be another thing, too, because the height difference is so much, right? Between him and Joshua was only like two or three inches. So it wasn't a crazy reach up for him to try to hit him in the face with that left hand. He's going to have to really reach up to hit him in the face with that left hand. It's not going to be such a straight punch, maybe more looping. Is he able to get there with a looping left hand combined or compared to the straights that he normally would throw? Is it more body work? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but you could tell I'm really excited it. about this fight. <laughs> but he's but this one is going to be a good one, but I do lean Fury because of the size difference and the skill. Yeah, man. Even as you were talking, I was like thinking, I'm like, man, I think the speed is also going to play a big factor in this one too. Cause I could see a yeah. scenario where Tyson Fury's trying to get that jab out early and there's a speed difference. Right. And, and oh, yeah. Usyk, Usyk is, is cutting angles and, and throwing that counter right hook. And all of a sudden now, Tyson Fury's disincentivized from throwing that jab. Like that's another scenario that I could see happening. So there's a lot of um a lot of theory crafting in this one, a lot of different ways this could go. Whenever I think of Tyson Fury as a boxer at all, though, I, I really, I really like to emphasize just what kind of a unicorn he is and and the kind of task that anyone that's fighting him has. I mean, when it comes to pound for pound, right? The idea of what pound for pound means. Um I don't think there's ever been a heavyweight that is as skilled as he is. And I would encourage you to please rival me if you disagree, but I, I just can't think of anyone else that has those in, imposing tools, but also uses the tools in the way you're supposed to. Um, yeah. I think uh, as boxing purists, I know you and I have seen many of fighters where uh, the hype is how big they are and how yeah. long their reach is. And then when they're fighting, it's like, why can't you ever establish this jab? Like yeah. <laughs> not true. <laughs> <laughs> to learn how to establish this drab because that should be the only thing you're working on when you're this big right so yeah the the skills and the the self-actualization of him getting to this point in his career from everything he's been through like if you watch that um yeah. klitschko fight back he's a completely different fighter like yes. completely different fighter and he was able to win fighting that way and and the the developments has only helped him um i think toning it back a little bit though to old school fury is really going to benefit him in this matchup uh, but man, I just hope it gets signed ASAP. We we need it because look look how excited we are for this one for sure. Yeah, we definitely need it, and that's something I got to think about. You know, most skilled heavyweights in history, he's definitely up there for sure. Uh, somebody who I think is massively underrated is Lance Lewis. I think he's massively underrated when it comes to his skill and what he was able to do. A lot of people think about him as the one-two, you know, master, but hey, his uppercuts and hooks were nice yeah. too. Like he was out here knocking people out with those too. So people sleep on Lance Lewis when it comes to his skill and his resume too. Like Lance Lewis' resume is crazy when you go back and look at it. 
Like the '90s were a really good era in boxing. Some people say the '70s were the like the golden era of heavyweight boxing. If the '70s were the golden era or the platinum era, then right below it was the '90s, where it was the golden or the silver era. And he beat everybody. He beat everybody from that era. Uh, so I think Lance Lewis definitely up there. Of course, Ali. So you, I would have to really think about it. So you gave me another idea. That might be another video coming soon, but that's something I got to think about. But Tyson Fury is definitely up there when you talk about skill and the size. It's it's just crazy. For sure, man. And I'm really looking forward to this one. Last question before we move on. Do you think that today's era of heavyweight touches those eras in any way? Do you think that there's a real fatigue now because everyone is just like, yeah, Tyson Fury is so great, but who did he really have to face him? And if yeah. you if you watch those Deontay Wilder fights and you make that argument, I think you're a little silly personally. Uh, but at the same time, I could also see the the argument of, hey, like you watch Deontay Wilder fight and you watch a boxer like Robesi Ramirez fight and you're not watching the same thing. Like it, it is not the same uh, sport, sport at all, literally. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so what would you say to that as far as this era of heavyweight boxing and his place in it? that's what makes it tough when you're ranking all-time heavyweights. Like, I've done a top 10 list of heavyweights, and I had Tyson Fury at eight when I did it, um, just because he hasn't had the chance to have the resume of a Lance Lewis, of a Muhammad Ali, of a George Foreman, even. Uh, and it's tough to put him over those guys when they have such you know crazy names on their resume. Uh, and with this era, being Wilder is going to look even better if Wilder continues to fight. Like the fact that Wilder came back and knocked out Helenus in less than a minute, like when he that is going to make Fury's resume look better if Wilder continues to build up names. But he has a chance to build up more names. Like he can, if he takes on a Usyk and then takes on an Andrew Ruiz or takes on an Anthony Joshua, he has a chance to still build up his resume. And we shouldn't hold this era against him. This era isn't close to the '90s, or it isn't close to what you know we saw in the '70s. But we've had down eras before, like the '80s was a down era. My people that love Mike Tyson hate when I say that, but it was a it was a down era in heavyweight boxing. After Ali left, you know, Larry Holmes was dominating. And then, you know, Tyson came and beat a old Larry Holmes and beat Michael Spinks, who was a light heavyweight, trying to get a check. And people, because he, he beat those guys, people have Tyson ranked up there. Like when I did my top 10 heavyweights of all time, I had Tyson, Mike Tyson at nine underneath Tyson Fury. People were like, what? How could you do this? I'm like, when you really take a look at Tyson's resume, he took advantage of an easy era, and then once the era got wrapped right the beginning of the 90s, you saw what happened to Tyson. Uh, so for me, I think that this era is better than it's, it's better than what the Klitschko's had, right? When the Klitschko's were dominating, you, they were beating guys like you know they was losing to guys like Corey Sanders and you know people that you don't really remember like that. Yeah. So it's something that you have to really take into perspective and not just poo-poo it because it's happening now and have the nostalgia factor. So this era isn't the best, but it also isn't the worst. So I think that he has a chance to build his resume up and get up there into maybe my top five heavyweights of all time. He continues on this path. A hundred percent. And I think a Usyk win does a lot more for that he than does. people give credit for. I, I feel like yeah. even though he's made his bones at Cruiserweight, and I love that run too. Like his, his run through Cruiserweight was exciting as hell to experience because he came out of nowhere and, and, that that real super series was where we f not only found out who he was, but found out he was the truth, like all at yeah. once. It's very rare that you have something like that happen. So I think his run has been legitimate. And I think, I mean, both fights against Joshua really showed that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, unfortunately, I hate to do this. I hate to shit on Joshua considering he's where with the position he's in right now. I just feel like 
any of these top heavyweights would have found a way to beat him with the way things were going. And that's not entirely his fault. I feel like a lot of that has to do with the ego and, and the propping him up and putting him in a different place. Um, I, I think a weird part of Fury's resume is like, everyone's like, oh, he didn't fight everyone. But it's like, who who didn't he fight at this point? If he fights Usyk, then the only person he really didn't fight is Joshua. And Joshua isn't really that guy as far as we're seeing. So yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I don't think this is the strongest era by any means. Uh, but I think a lot of the people that shit on this era are really taking away a lot from Deontay Wilder. And, and in my opinion, he deserves the respect because I can't think of, I mean, besides people like Julian Jackson, which isn't even in this weight class, right? But like, when you think of people that are punchers to that level and the fact that he stood up to those punches and I mean, multiple times came back from knockdowns against him um, really speaks to his medal too. And I can't imagine him being forced to, to do that in a fight with Usyk, but we know he has it right. So just another mm -hmm. reason why I feel like the DAC is stacked against Usyk. Uh, but man, that's one hell of a fight for sure. It is. And you make a great point about him being able to stand up to the punches of Deontay Wilder. No one else has done it. No one else that Wilder's went against been able to stamp to those punches. They only had one fight that went the distance, and then the rematch, knocked the guy out in the first round. Mm -hmm. So, like, when you think about the, like, I believe that if you talk about, like, the most powerful punches in history, Deontay Wilder's straight right hand has to be at the top of the list. Like, it has to be at the top of the list because he's literally, that, you know the straight right hand is coming, and if he catches you one time with it, it's over. Perfect example, the second fight against Luis Ortiz. Luis Ortiz outboxed him. Just I completely outboxed him for the first six rounds. Like just wiped was shutting him out. One right hand to the forehead. Wasn't even to the chin. Hit the man in the forehead. <laughs> and it was over. It was done. You could tell he was concussed. The mm -hmm. fact that he was able to like just hit this man with one right hand, give him concussion, like it shows you the unreal power that Deontay Wilder has and obviously still has when you start a fight against Robert Helena's, which in the thing is about the Robert Helena's punch, he wasn't even he didn't step into it. He was leaning on the ropes. <laughs> threw the right hand like a casual like just like you casually hitting a, a punching bag he threw that right hand and knocked this man out cold with a casual right hand like that just shows you the crazy power Deontay Wilder has which gives you even more just credit to Tyson Fury for being able to step back up and get up from those punches mm -hmm. 100% man I'm gonna put the feet to the fire we gotta do it I'm going to go Tyson Fury late stoppage. I'm going to say round Ooh, 10. Stoppage. Round 10. Okay. I think I think he could really wear on him if he uses his weight correctly early. And then yeah. those shots later on in the fight. I think when I was watching the, the Joshua rematch, I thought towards the end of that fight, he actually got pretty gassed. And it was interesting to yeah, see the was. way Fear, uh, Joshua came on late in that fight. So that that's where I lean. Uh, what, what do you think? I'm going to go Fury by decision. I don't think he stops him. But like you said, I do think he gets worn down a little bit by just the fear, just size. Like you said, Joshua was able to do it. And Joshua also had a sustained body attack. If I remember correctly, either the eighth or ninth round, he just was what I'm just, he just sold out to go to the body in that round. Uh, and that really had an effect on late in that fight. But Usyk did like, that's what makes Usyk so impressive. Like he was able to recover from that. And then the next round take over. Uh, now, can you do that against Fury? That's a different monster. So we'll have to wait and see. But I got fear about decision. I like that. I like that. Whew. All right. I'm sweating after that one. How, <laughs> how do we follow up on that one? Uh, so the rest of these are actually going to be taking place in May. So we've got some time to think about this one, some time for these to marinate. Uh, yeah. But I think we, it's important we cover these nonetheless. I think out of all of them, this first one is the least competitive. Uh, we got Canelo yeah. coming up against John Ryder 
at middleweight, yeah. back in middleweight, uh, defending his undisputed title on May 6th, right there. Obviously, Cinco de Mayo weekend, right? Um, yeah. Big time homecoming stuff, as always. Um, do I feel like this fight needed to be made? Hell no. Like, why, <laughs> why are we watching this? Uh, at the same time, though, can't really be too mad, right? At Canelo fighting on, on um, Cinco de Mayo weekend. It's going to be a big spectacle. Uh, do I think this is a competitive fight? Uh, not at all. I think if if there is any sort of mental hiccup, if there is any sort of mental lapse, I think it comes to bear early in this fight. If we see any hesitancy or anything like that from Canelo, uh, but I doubt it. I think Bivol is a real special fighter, and I think that was a very specific circumstance that led him to be in a fight like that. I don't think John Ryder has those capabilities, uh, but if there's any doubt, I mean, I think we're going to see it early. Uh, but I think no matter which way this goes, if Can if Canelo loses this one, uh, probably be one of the bigger upsets in boxing, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if he loses, it's a huge upset. Um, I'm right, I'm right there with you. I don't know why this fight was made at this point in Canelo's career. There should be only big time special fights, especially on Cinco de Mayo weekend. Like if this fight was happening in February, like when he fought against uh, Yildrum a couple mm -hmm. years back. When he had that mandatory and he fought in February, it was kind of like, a, okay, we're just going to put this fight out there. There's a little extra bonus fight for you. If you subscribe to the zone, you get to see it. Cool. <laughs> and then he went on from there to have the real fights. Uh, this one still feels like that type of fight, but it's on the big weekend. Uh, so it makes no sense to have it on that weekend. Uh, people got really upset with me. Like when I made, uh, they first announced it, I made my video reacting to the announcement and I was like, John Ryder, really? That's that's what we <laughs> that's what we doing, John Ryder. Uh, and John Ryder is a, he's a cool fighter, cool fighter. You know, a guy who has earned himself a shot at a title. Now, has he earned himself a shot at Canelo Alvarez, undisputed champion on single mile weekend on pay per view? No, he hasn't earned that shot. You know, his best win is over Daniel Jacobs, and that one's disputed. Mm -hmm. So, like when you look at his resume, you just like why and some people are like well he injured uh canelo injured his hand this is a tune-up fight there's there shouldn't be any tune-up fights at this point in canelo's career yeah. like there's no need for you tune up and sparring there's no need for a tune-up fight at this point in his career so you know this one is just real quick get it over with look impressive and then maybe we'll get the winner of david Benavidez, caleb plant or we'll get the baval rematch uh we've talked about it before if i'm canelo's team I'm telling him, hey, forget about the ball. Don't worry about him. Don't don't trip about that. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's stick down here with these 168ers and yeah. these 160 guys. Let's stick down here. Don't worry about the ball. Let the ball take on those 175 guys. You worry about this right here. Uh, but Canelo's a guy of pride, so I can see him trying to get that rematch with the ball later on this year. Maybe you know Mexican Independence Day weekend in September. 100%, especially because his match made in heaven at Cruiserweight also lost his belt to someone else before he could get the chance to face him. Uh, so yeah. more handpicking in higher divisions. I agree with everything you said, man. I think it's really surprising to see Canelo in this spot, but at the same time, is it really? Like, real quick, mm -hmm. I, I need a rant for a second because this alphabet <laughs> soup shit, it really kills me. Like, in what world did he actually put himself in a position to get this fight? Like, I get, I get the way uh, mandatories work in boxing, right? But at the end of the day, if you really look at it, like, I feel like the mandatory system is worse in most cases than the way naturally so sorting the division out is. Yeah. Like, a lot of the times, these guys, like, for example, Yildrum, how the hell did he be get a mandatory? Like, how did you put yourself in that spot? <laughs> 
Who do you know at the commission? Who in the WBO is your friend that you somehow become the mandatory? Because there's a lot of guys that are above you in this position. You could argue if there should have been a mandatory, it could have been Benavidez over anyone. So it it makes no sense. There is no rhyme or reason. It's just a way to put certain guys over, I think. I feel like no matter what, even if you end up not like going out there and just getting slaughtered, it's okay because you got your mandatory you got your little money off of it. Good luck. See you later. And I personally, I hate that because it it is always propped up as far as a meritocracy. Only the right people are fighting for the for the belts in boxing. And in general, right, when you take a step back, in general, that is the case. But a lot of the times with these mandatories, there's some sneaky shit going on. And I don't know who's to blame, uh, but whoever it is, they need an answer to this shit because there's no way you could tell me John Ryder is a more legitimate challenge than David Benavidez. No, no way. And the thing is, you can go, even if you say, oh, David Benavidez is tied up right now. Even if you would have said someone like Andrade, right? If you would have said someone like Andrade, even though Andrade was, you know, he only had one fight at 168 so far, you still would have been like, okay, he's a former champion at 160, undefeated. We can we can see that. And this is a fight that we've been wanting to see. No one was thinking about John Ryder. And <laughs> at least John, John Ryder is at least better than Yildrum because Yildrum was on the couch. I imagine Yildrum was sitting on the couch, chilling drinking a beer when he got the call i was like what i'm the mandatory oh let me go to the gym man. <laughs> let, me, let me let me go ahead and make this weight real quick so i can get this money because you know he had, he had no chance in that fight like he when he got knocked down he got up smiling like all right this is what it is <laughs> wasn't as bad as i thought yeah <laughs> exactly like he was like i think it was reported that he made like almost three million off the fight cool he was like this is a cool paycheck one last check because I, I don't even know if your drums fought since. But you know, like, he was like, "Yo, I'm, I'm gonna give one, I'm gonna give one more check on my way out and be good to go." Like that's what that was. And with Ryder, at least Ryder is trying to be a champion. Uh, he's active, but again, these guys, the presidents of these organizations, it's definitely some shady stuff going on. But that's the thing about boxing because there's so many different hands in the pot between all the managers, all the promotions, all the platforms all of these sectioning bodies, all of these different hands in, you're going to get some dirty hands in there. And that's what you're seeing right now with some of these dirty hands going in. Great, great way to put it. Um, mm-hmm. When you speak of dirty hands, entirely unrelated, but I still can't believe that Don King is still in this business. This man is like 97, dude. This man is like 97, <laughs> still swindling fighters out here. I can't believe it. So speaking of dirty hands, I, I don't know what the hell is going to clean up boxing, but there hasn't been a solution in the last hundred years. Yeah. I don't want to come in in the next hundred, man. It's it's. I, I've been I've been saying this for years. If somebody out there has the money to get PBC, the Zone, and all of the different sanctioning bodies or different platforms under one, you just have it the boxing channel. I will run it. I will be the com- <laughs> boxing commissioner, right, for a fee. You know, but I'll be the box. I'll be the box commissioner, and I will make sure that we get the matches we want. We don't have all this stuff going on, and I'll make sure the fighters get paid what they deserve to get paid as well. Because that's the danger. If you have it all in the one thing, that's when you have the UFC problem, right? Mm-hmm. Do these fighters get paid enough when there's kind of a monopoly? Even though there's other MMA platforms, we know UFC is the big boy. Mm-hmm. Do you have the money for these fighters to get paid the right amount when you only have one platform? That's the thing. The catch twenty two when trying to clean up boxing is if you clean it up, does it become more dirty in the process? 
a hundred percent. And it's yeah. such a it's such a seedy, dirty business either way, right? Like just the characters in itself. Like I, I'm a big fan of combat sports. Don't get me wrong. Like it hasn't yeah. turned me off whatsoever. But there's been so many times, whether it be MMA or boxing, where I'm a fan of someone. I'm like, man, I really like this guy. And then yeah. and then you you find out who they are slowly yeah. because of because of them being in this exposure, right? Being exposed to the public for this amount of time. And then it's just like, man. Is anyone out here doing this shit the right way? Like, is, is anyone here a redeemable character? I don't know. Uh, but once yeah. again, how redeemable can you be when you punch people in the head for a living, right? That's that's the thing. You have to, like, just take it for what it is. Like, you like uh, one podcaster, uh, Ryan Rossillo, he said that, hey, I just say that I'm a fan of this fighter. I'm not going to, you know, rent an apartment with him. Um, <laughs> he's, not, he's not marrying my sister. I'm just a fan of this boxer or this fighter. So that's how you got to look at it sometimes. For sure. That's a great way, optimistic way to look at it. Uh, yeah. But speaking of a, a time where we need some optimism, um, Steve Fulton versus Nyola in a way for Fulton's featherweight titles in a way is moving up once again. Um, unfortunately, this fight uh, did get postponed due to an injury on in side, but I would imagine it gets written back up together. Um, I just got to ask you about in first right before we even get to steve fulton because i think he's a historically great fighter too uh yeah. but when you consider what in has done and the way he's moved across these different weight classes and and really has not only retained his power but it feels like it, it gets even better right the, the yeah. more weight classes he moves up um what do you when you watch him like what about him makes him so special because it's very in my opinion it's very simple bread and butter stuff but when he does it it's just different yeah, it's sticking to that, right? There's the discipline to stick to having that simple bread and butter stuff, but also having the power behind it, right? So you could teach somebody to do that simple stuff, but they don't have that special ability with it. And with him, he also makes adjustments, right? I remember I was mad because I woke, I set my alarm uh, here on the West Coast for 2.30 in the morning, but woke up to watch him against uh, Nodino Denair. And I was so excited to watch this rematch. Woke up super early and the fight didn't come on to maybe 4.35 o'clock here. And it was over in two rounds. And I was so upset that I woke up <laughs> to watch that fight. But in the first fight against Lunera, it went to the, it went very long and it was a back and forth battle classic. And this one, you saw him adjust and be able to catch him with these power punches. And he could hit you with either hand. That's a big thing. It's not like with Deontay Wilder where you know it's a straight right hand. It could be a right hook. It could be a left uppercut. It could be a body shot, a head shot. He has every tool in the playbook along with speed and he can fight going both ways. You mentioned earlier with Tank, how he can go back foot, front foot, any way he can do that same thing and also has this tenaciousness about him where if he has you down or he has you where you feel like you're close to getting out, he doesn't play around. Does not play around at all. He's going to finish you off. And it's very reminiscent of a Manny Pacquiao. We talk about somebody who can go through different weight classes and still carry that power with them. And real quick, Manny Pacquiao, don't come back. Please don't do it. Please. Oh, <laughs> Not against like, Connor Ben. He just he just popped for steroids, man. Yes, yes. <laughs> like don't don't do it against, especially Connor Ben. Don't don't do it. But a prime Manny Pacquiao is somebody who kind of reminds you of anyway, with being able to go through different weight classes and also with Manny Pacquiao. You knew Manny Pacquiao's moves. You knew that he was gonna faint in and out of pocket and eventually catch you with. That you know, jab right, straight left combination, get at angles on you. You knew what Penny Pacquiao was gonna do, but you still couldn't stop it. Same thing with anyway. Yeah, man. I love his skill set. I think we were texting that night. Funny enough, I remember I got up for that one too. Uh, yeah. I, I I love I love his style because 
it, it's a real balls to the wall style. Like you could tell yeah. he, he often is in those exchanges and knows like I, I got something you don't. <laughs> and, and it's yeah. hard to put yourself in those positions, especially as you become a more seasoned boxer. Um, it's hard to put yourself in those positions and manage that risk unless you know, right? Like you have to know that you're that guy and he knows. And I think, yeah. There is some danger yeah. in the way that he does pursue the attack. I think he does square up a lot. Um, and I think that can lead to certain spaces of danger, especially in a matchup like this, moving up in weight. Yeah. Um, I think with the way the styles clash, though, I, I'm not sure that Fulton will be the guy to capitalize on that specifically. Um, but I think he can give him some trouble as far as keeping him on the outside and using his range, even though I, I think their, their, their reach is about the same. Um, but obviously more accustomed to fighting bigger guys in a bigger weight class. Um, I know that his style is more so like a outboxer, not really out there ch chasing you down and things like that. Um, but I'm interested to see whether or not he can capitalize on those moments of aggression and try to catch him in between and really put him in some danger and remind him, you know, it's not it's not all sweet up here at featherweight. No, and Fulton is somebody, we talked earlier about Stevenson and Mayweather with the sharp, quick power not the devastating one hit power, but power that makes you recognize what's going on. And I think Fulton can do that against NUA. It's a very good fight. It's one I'm glad we don't have to pick right now because yeah. I really don't know. <laughs> it's, it's definitely one of those fights. And it's, uh, hopefully it's not a big injury. When I got the notification from ESPN, it just said injury. It didn't say what specifically it was or how long it would be. Just said that it would be rescheduled. So they know that it's something that he can recover from. So hopefully it's something we get in the next couple of months. Man, the craziest part about it, though, is you look at this fight, you look at the next couple fights we're going to be talking about. Um, this is the golden era. Like, yeah. tell me I'm wrong. This is the golden era. We're living in it, folks. And if you're blind to it still at this point, you're still talking shit about boxing. You're just not paying attention. Yeah. Uh, because it's been a while since we've had consistent fights like this and literally in a way has been seeking them out in the last couple of yes. years and a lot of different other people on this list, too. So. Uh, really pumped just for the way boxing is changing, right? Like a fight like this usually is just lived and died in our dreams previously. Uh, yeah. But now we're, we're getting them big time and I'm loving yeah, so it. So for the, for the people who are like, oh, I missed the 80s when you had the four kings going against each other. We're coming back to that in a real way. Like this is, like you said, we're getting into that golden era of finally getting the fights that we want to see. I've been one of those guys that would have been ranting and raving about getting these fights and we're starting to get them now. So for me, someone like myself is like, oh, I stuck around for a good reason. This is the reason right here. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And then, well, shit, if that's our 12th reason, we got 13 and 14 coming up right next because these two are another set of bangers. And I, I just can't believe that these, these got made as quickly as they did. Um, on May 20th, we have Devin Haney putting all his belts, his undisputed lightweight titles up against Vasily Lomachenko. Um Another fight with crazy storylines, right? Um, two guys that you would feel are in different halves of their career at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of X factors there too, like the, the aftermath of what's going on in Lomachenko's home country. Um, yeah. Every as how Devin Haney settling into this weight class and whether or not he can continue to make it. Um, yeah. He looked like death in his last fight. <laughs> Obviously in that rematch, it didn't matter once, once it came time yeah. to fight, right? It didn't matter. It didn't show it in the fight. Uh, yeah. But at the weigh-ins, man, he looked like vintage um, man. I would encourage people who who weren't really around for this because I think weight weight cutting is a way bigger thing in MMA right now than it is in boxing. But he looked almost like Conor McGregor at featherweight, like 145 drawn out, 
look like the machinist, like look like a real like heroin addict shit level of drawn out. Uh, where it's like, man, like, I, I don't know how safe that is. And I know as soon as he got off that scale, like, he wasn't that weight for more than probably three minutes. Yeah, he got a cheeseburger immediately. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so many different X factors. I think on face value, I think this this fight feels a little easy to pick. Um, but yeah. I just I don't know where either guy really is right now. How, what What sense do you have when it comes to this fight? Yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, I think we're both leaning Haney because Haney is somebody who's going up as Lemachenko is coming down. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a good fight. But you mentioned earlier how Stevenson can work off that jab and his jab is artful in the way that he can use it. And he can double jab. He can jab to the body. He can jab and hook off of it. Haney is that same way. If you want to see somebody use the jab in a masterful way, the first fight against George Cambosos, oh my God, Devin Haney <laughs> jab in that fight was, and people, this is what gets me upset with boxing fans. People are like, oh, that was so boring. Like, if you're a real boxing fan and you watch somebody use the jab in that way and be able to master it in that way, oh, it was something beautiful to watch, man. It was beautiful to see him double on it, triple on it, go to the body, go to the head, didn't hesitate with it, use it, go a slow jab, fast jab. Like, he did it in so many different ways. I was like, man, this is so dope watching somebody do this in such a, a great way. And He's going to be able to do the same thing against uh, Lomachenko. Now, of course, Lomachenko is more skilled than Cambosis, but he's just, he's slowing down now. And because he's slowing down a little bit, I think that Haney will be able to use that jab in that way. And he might even be able to catch him with a nice right hand and put him down. I know Haney's not known for his power. We talked about it before, but we've seen Lomachenko get caught on a straight right hand. I believe it was against Jorge Linares, where he got caught with a straight right hand coming in and got put down. I can see the same thing happening against Haney because the reach advantage is kind of crazy for this weight class that Haney has. And I can see Haney using it in that way. A hundred percent. I think if all things are as expected, right? I think I think Haney should run away with this one. I, I feel yeah. like Haney decision is a is an easy bet, right, in my mind. Yeah. Uh, but I also see a scenario where obviously we saw Lomachenko regress a little bit when he when he lost that yeah. fight to Teofimo, right? Um, I don't I don't think that was him looking bad. Like I watched that fight back, even watching it live, and I I, I, I get some flack on this, but I scored it for Lomachenko. And I felt like he oh, had a case. I felt like he had a case in that fight. And watching it back, obviously, you, you want to come on strong. You want to see those things in a fighter, right? Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to stylistically and you're looking at that guy, right, the, the guy we are now coming to expect against Devin, Devin Haney, I feel like it's very easy to say, yeah, Haney by decision. I think if there's anything that really sways the, the scales, I feel like it has to be how he looks coming off the weigh-in. I think there is a world where through body work and being elusive and staying on the outside and not really giving him a chance to get that jab going, I could see a world where he ends up hurting Haney to the body and rides that momentum onto a win. That's not far-fetched to me. So I think Haney has really a lot to prove in this one because I agree. I think there was a big drop-off in the second um, Cambosos fight, which feels almost like an insult to say because he still (laughs) dominated, right? Like he he still dominated that fight. Um, against a championship level fighter. But I think if there is any path for victory for Lomachenko, it's going to involve him not only showing up on the night better than he has recently, but also um, some regression on his opponent's part because of the size, because at his healthiest, when you consider the way that matchup is, it's almost hard to imagine Lomachenko even being in it. And that feels so foreign considering how he was as far as pound for pound status just a couple years ago. Um, so do you, do you think he was overhyped a bit because ESPN was the one putting out the list and they had Lomachenko 
do you think at points it was like, okay, we get it. He's good. But do you think maybe he was overhyped and we're starting to see maybe where his level was the whole time? Or is it just a regression? It's a really good question. I tend to lean towards regression. I think his skills are very real. I think his size at this, at any division isn't, isn't the best. Uh, But at this division, at this point too, like, yeah, I feel like when he first came on the scene, nobody was this big. And now yeah. everyone like it sort of took a collective step up and everyone has gotten much bigger. So I, I could imagine him in fights against guys like Tank having success. But I think this matchup specifically is almost the worst for him in this division. I think there was uh, there was some hype, though. Undeniably, there was some hype. And how could you not? Right. Like, I think he has a style where. You could black out, silhouette the whole arena, and you're watching him move around. You know who that is. Like that. Yeah, that's, that's how true. unique he is as a boxer. And I think that also came with the hype, right? Like, it, yeah. it's it's very rare to see someone innovate a style in a, in a sport that's been around 100 plus years. Like that's yeah, that's, that's it's very rare to find something new. But I, I think age and hype sort of caught up to him just at the right time. I think Teofimo was also an unstoppable force that met him on that night too. I think that was the best he's ever looked in his career. Yeah, he was super focused, yeah. 100%. So I'm interested to see where both of those guys go moving forward as well. Uh, but there's some trap angles in this fight too. Even though it seems pretty one-sided, uh, I could I could make a case for both guys to end up coming out with some weird shit, whether it be a, a Haney knockout or uh, a Lomachenko really making things close as the as the fight goes on late. No, that's that's definitely true. And one thing I'm going to be interested in, let's say Haney does win. And this is Haney's last fight at 135. Maybe Haney gets the winner of Josh Taylor and Tafima Lopez. They announced that they're going to try to make that fight for later this year, which I'm I'm not a fan of. I don't feel like Tafima's earned the shot against Josh Taylor. But the names, I get it. It's a fight that could sell. And maybe he gets the winner of that. I would love to see David Haney versus the winner of Tafima Lopez, Josh Taylor. So maybe this leads to even bigger fights at 140 where you have a Regis Pro Gray shout out to him from New Orleans and all these other guys in there that deserves these big fights. So hopefully this is the first step of David Haney just having multiple fights of just big names. For sure. Shout out, shout out to uh, Rougarou as well. I'm yeah. kind of hoping that he gets a shot at Teofimo before anybody else because I feel like that's a fight now at this stage of their careers where he could really shine. Big yeah. fan of of all those guys you just mentioned, and once again, just speaks to lightweight. All these all these weight classes are just insane, and moving up to to welter too. There's just so many different matchups that we have to look forward to. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of getting them signed on paper. So, whew, so much to cover, and we got one left, baby. We we still got one left. <laughs> um, this is a fight that I couldn't believe came together, right? Because yeah. I thought it was pretty obvious where they were going, considering the way the first fight went, and that being sort of the front runner getting the rematch. But now you could argue this is a bigger and better fight for Katie Taylor. We have Chantel Cameron defending her undisputed titles um, at junior welterweight against Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor daring, daring to be great, right? Like you already yeah. unify one weight class. Shout out to the woman in boxing. Really, really, I just got to say this. All of the all of the weight classes, literally, there is an undisputed champ at every weight class. In what world do we have that? I mean, it also does speak to the depth of these weight classes. We'll be frank. But at the same time, like it really shows these gals not only want to fight each other, but they want to prove that they're the best. And the fact that this fight is being made insane, right? Like you had a a fight that had critical acclaim that you could have easily ran back that you honestly would feel a little bit more secure picking Katie Taylor in. I don't know how this fight is going to go. Like, I'm really pumped about this one. I feel Mm -hmm. like Katie Taylor has a real distinct speed advantage in this. 
But I also can't deny that we've never seen her at this weight class. We don't know how she's going to look up a weight class mm-hmm. against someone that is a slightly bigger puncher. Obviously, not nobody really in the women's division is known for being a heavy puncher. Um, yeah. I think a part of that has to do with the the way the rounds are and not being three-minute wow. rounds, but that, that's a conversation. But we could get into that for another hour. <laughs> Uh, but what, how do you feel about this fight being made in the first place uh, between Chantel and Katie Taylor? I was surprised that it was Cameron that was chosen because when Serrano, they announced that she got hurt and it was like, well, Katie Taylor still wants to fight on that day. I thought it was going to be Alicia Baumgartner that mm-hmm. they were going to pick because that's a fight where, <laughs> like, that's a, that's a crazy one right there where you have, you know, a boxer versus somebody who can box and Baumgartner but also has you know, power as well. And we've seen against Serrano that Kay Taylor is uh, vulnerable to that type of power. So with Cameron being bigger and having a little pop, that's what makes you nervous for Kay Taylor. Cause you're like, you so you heard against uh, Serrano, but you were able to survive, you know, based on being a better boxer. Can you do that against somebody at, you know, at welterweight? That's the big question. Uh, Cameron hasn't had the best competition. Like you said, sometimes these weight classes aren't the best. Uh, Jessica McCaskill, uh, who she beat last, Just McCaskill, I was, no disrespect to her, I don't mean disrespectfully, but the fact that she had a belt, I was like, what's going on? Like, she mm-hmm. she would just go out there and fight with her head down and just throw these punches. I'm like, what's, what's really happening right now? And like I said, she's a, she's a tough, very tough woman and definitely has earned her success in, in boxing, but her skill level for me just wasn't there. And I've been somebody who's been critical of her with, when it comes to that. And Cameron took full advantage of that. And now you get Cameron against Katie Taylor. I wonder if the lack of competition that Cameron's had is going to come into question here. And Katie Taylor starts hitting her with those quick one-twos, starts moving those feet around. Can Cameron keep up with that? That's going to be the big question. 100%. And whether or not she could keep on with the turns, I feel like that's the biggest part. Yeah. She could. I feel like she could turn her into a box in this fight and really, really just keep her out of exchanges just because of how fast she is. But I'm I'm excited either way, man. I agree with you. It's unfortunate. A lot of these fights end up looking like, you know, pre-diabetic gas gas station attendants out there finding a way to throw their punches. But hey, um, you still got to respect it for going out there. It's still a championship oh, sure. level for a reason, yeah. right? And what I find fascinating about this too is like that, once again, shout out Amanda Serrano. I'm biased as fuck. I'm Puerto Rican. I got nothing <laughs> but love for Amanda Serrano. I can't believe the things she's accomplished in her career too. Um, Up there with Manny Pacquiao as far as accomplishments she's, right and yeah, moving amazing. up through all these different weight classes but at the same time like i think her making that fight that close felt like a once in a lifetime kind of thing i think i think we saw who the better fighter was on that night and yeah. i think i think it's gonna be hard to sort of bridge that gap in any sort of rematch so i really am looking at katie taylor as far as when you consider the culmination of skill and the ability to put names on a resume like i think Personally, I love me. I love me some Clarissa Shields. I, I love that she's in MMA and what she's doing. I think she's a great fighter and a historic fighter, right? Yeah. But I don't think she's ever going to be in a position that Katie Taylor is in as far as racking up the names and putting herself in a position to be undeniable. I think Katie Taylor really has a shot to not only be um, the sort of face of women's boxing in this era, but also like, I think I think she's putting herself on the Mount Rushmore, especially if she comes out on top of a fight yeah. like this. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, this is putting on the Mount Rushmore. I would love to see her against maybe Alicia Baumgartner in the future because uh, Baumgartner is going to be looking for opponents. If she doesn't want to give, just if she wants to be petty and not give Michaela Mayer a rematch, I can see her going forward and trying to get take on a Taylor or take on a Serrano. Maybe when Serrano returns from injury, we get Amanda Serrano versus Alicia Baumgartner. That'd be kind of uh, a first in women's boxing where you would have two power punchers kind of going at it with Serrano and Bumgarner in that way. So I'm really excited for the future of women's boxing. And like you said, shout out to them, man, because I think their example may have been what's kind of getting in motion what we're seeing in men's boxing now, because the women are like, we're fighting each other. Like we're making these fights happen and we're going to make it to where you're getting, sometimes you're getting a UFC-esque card with some of these women's cards sometimes where you're getting multiple championship bouts, ones that could be main events by themselves. Like Michaela Mayer versus Bumgarner was on the undercard uh, the Clarissa Shields fight. So when you have those type of cards, the women are really setting the standard, man. So continue to do it, ladies. Man, I agree 100%. And I'm going to say because you didn't. Whew. Bumgarner, good Lord. Good Lord. I don't know who <laughs> needs to do it, but somebody need to get her out of boxing quick because I swear <laughs> she can make a living doing many other things. Uh, shout out to Alicia Bumgarner. That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say on that. <laughs> But, nah, it's it's hilarious because I uh, have a group chat that I'm in, and it was a, a big like running joke about like because I was telling about Lisa Bumgarner, and a lot of these guys don't know women that's boxing at all. And that was the first like one of the first boxes they saw. They like if they all look like this, I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> no question. A hundred percent. That's worth the price yeah. of admission on its own. Uh, sometimes can't believe man i hate i hate hate to say it like that right you don't want to look like you're you're out here drooling but it's <laughs> you got to be honest when you're honest right yeah. uh but man so much stuff we just covered insane right there's so many yeah. things going on this next couple of months i can't wait i hope a lot of these things come to fruition first and foremost yeah. <laughs> keep our fingers crossed right <laughs> uh because a lot could happen from now to then but uh yeah, and Damian, so still hanging in the balance too man keep thurman errol spence like, there's so many other fights that's still out there that could happen in the next few months. Terrence Crawford, too. I was just about to close yeah. with that. You teed me up beautifully. I got to ask, as far as what you want, what's not on the slate yet that you want that needs to be signed before the end of this year? End of this year, uh, of course, I would love to see Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence. I don't know if it's going to happen now because Errol Spence is going up to 154 to fight against Keith Thurman, which is him being petty. because 100%. Yeah, because Keith Thurman didn't want to fight him when he was coming up. And now he's like, well, I'm not going to defend my titles against you. I'll fight you, but we're going to do it at 154, and I'm not defending my unified belts against you. And you know what? I respect the pettiness. I respect it because <laughs> Keith Thurman was once being the petty king when he was the guy on top of Walter Wade, and now he's returning that favor. So I respect that. Uh, but, of course, I would love to see that. Uh, hopefully we get Tim Zhu versus uh, Jamal or Jamel Charlo, excuse me, uh, so early, you know, hopefully June, July sometime, not too, not too far down the road. I know that he was dealing with a hand injury, Charlo. And that's why we got Tim Zhu versus Harrison, which was a really good belt. Actually, I think that that was a, it was actually like kind of a blessing in disguise that we got that fight. And we got to see Tim Zhu against a former champion before he took on Charlo. Um, but also in that weight class, 154 is also a good weight class that has a lot of fighters in it. You know, Sebastian Fedora, I've talked about him before, how just crazy it is. The fact that he could make 154 at 6'5". When I'm 6'2 and I haven't been 154, so it's like sixth grade. So the fact that he can make 154 is absolutely nuts. Uh, so hopefully we get him against, you know, a Charlo or a Zoo uh, pretty soon. And uh, middleweight, we need to find out who the good middleweights are. Middle, we talked about all these good weight classes. Middleweight seems to be the one that's kind of down 
and really searching for that next guy. Triple G is on his way out, right? And Charlo hasn't fought in two years, the one that's at middleweight. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully we, I know he's, a, he's supposed to fight soon. Hopefully we get him back and it's going to be an easy fight for him to tune up fights since he's been out for so long. And then hopefully we get him against some of the big names at either 168 or 160 to try to really have that weight class come to some type of just order. Because right now it's kind of chaos at 160. Um, but those are the big ones that I really want to see. I'm trying to think of any other ones that I'm missing right now. But looks like, oh, that's the thing. Usually when you said this, I would have like a list. Just all these <laughs> different fights that need to be made. But right now we're actually getting the fights that we want to see. Uh, so hopefully we get the ones that we already have scheduled. And that will lead to even more fights that will have us just, you know, salivating at the mouth about it, you know? hundred percent. I agree. I think there's only one on that list that you missed that I have to throw in there. And that's Bivol okay. Betterbiev. Oh. Obviously that's a fight that oh, another one of those kind of like the Devin Haney Lomachenko fight where you kind of feel like you have an idea of who's going to win that one. Yeah. Uh, but either way, man, I think that's a fight we need to see just that power versus that precision, right? The power, yeah. the, the big hitter versus that's, that's the, a the great steady range. Headline. That's a great headline for the pay-per-view. You know, I always have like a little tagline. Power versus precision for that fight is, is a good one. Like if somebody takes that, they need to give you a give you some payment on that one. That's a that's a great tagline. percent. The two P's, baby. The two P's. We gotta <laughs> we gotta get it all figured out. But yeah, man, I agree with you. It's a it's really that era, right? This is this yeah. is the time we've been waiting on for for a long time. So shout out to boxing for figuring things out and doing it the right way. I think you the competition, right? what what is the what is the what is the the term again uh rising tide raises all boats right like i think mm -hmm. having this competition from not even an organization right it's not like mma is a part of boxing at all but having that competition as far as putting out consistent big time fights and what that does for the sport i think has really changed the landscape of boxing and i think uh, the days of which Boxing and MMA fans looked at each other as other. I think that that is over. Like, I, I really hope that I, let's be real. The old, the boxing crowd is a little bit older than the MMA yeah. crowd. I think it's about time we come to a place of understanding that we both help each other out here. Right. It's a symbiotic yeah. relationship, whether or not we want to admit it or not. Um, a lot of the guys coming over from MMA to boxing and sort of giving these guys their moment to step up. We saw what happens in the inverse, right? When people have gone over like James Tony, obviously way past his career, but when he went over and got absolutely torched in MMA, I think the precedent is there. I think the two sports are different for very clear reasons, but at yeah. the end of the day, the success of MMA has really propped up boxing in my opinion and really put them in a position to follow suit and sort of take the best of what, MMA has to offer and try to match it. And I think without MMA's rise, they would have never been in this position, but that's my hot take. Nah, I, that's a good one right there. I, I actually like that a lot. And I was one of those old guys that was like, MMA, they elbowing and throwing knees and all that. What's, what's all that, man? Let me stick to this boxing where I know, like, they throwing hands. I know a left hook when I see it. I know a counter punch when I see it. I'm not trying to go over here where they breaking arms and whatnot, but I slowly came over to MMA and I'm enjoying it and really the way hopefully one day like you hear me you know you you like to say wax it poetically about boxing <laughs> hopefully one day you hear me saying that about MMA as well being able to break it down that same way because I'm getting more and more into it and because I recognize all the different skills that are needed for it and the fact that some MMA fighters are skilled boxers along with being wrestlers and being good at other stuff is crazy because you just heard us break down boxing how much goes into 
a single fight, how many different ways you can attack somebody in just boxing. And the fact that they do that along with all these other skills is just absolutely crazy. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. And and there's one there's one sad fight on the horizon that I need to mention to you. Um because yeah. we talked about him earlier. Y'all must have forgot. Roy Jones Jr. is fighting former oh, UFC God. UFC champion Anthony Pettis in a boxing match in um, Milwaukee in his hometown. Uh, just just one of those, oh, my God, why moments, right? Yeah. And I brought this up because of w- what you were saying as far as actual skills and you, and you seeing the change. Honestly, I think there's a lot of different fighters in MMA that could compete in boxing. But, of course, it's no none of the guys that have are anywhere near that, right? Like, yeah. it's been very clear why they pick these certain guys. But I think someone to look out for that's also fighting on that card is Jose Aldo, someone who is a historic great in MMA. Uh, but mm. never really got the respect, in my opinion, that he deserves as far as his striking acumen. He's moved over entirely to boxing, and he's actually okay. rematching a fighter who he fought already in MMA and uh, knocked out with a body shot, funny enough. So I'm pretty sure that's a showcase fight to get him looking good. But I'm really looking forward to seeing his career because I think he might be able to contend for a belt off of legitimate skills, like not off a name. I think he's that good. Uh, so I encourage you, check that out if you get a chance. Of course, that's on April Fool's Day as well. So another <laughs> yeah. one of those uh, April Fool's. I'm, the thing is, I didn't even know about Roy Jones fighting. That's that's crazy. Ooh, you didn't. Yeah, it's no, actually like, on. Um, it's actually uh Jorge Masvidal's, um, promotion. So it's called Game okay. Bread Boxing. So it's it's literally boxing straight up with boxing gloves. Um, yeah. I think it's eight rounds. Uh, but man, okay. yeah, why? Like why? Yeah, why? Why? Yeah. Come on, like, and the same thing I said about Manny Pacquiao. I made a video about Manny Pacquiao coming back. Like, I don't know if you need money, but if you do, talk to Floyd. Talk yeah. to Floyd and get, get the exhibition going. Yeah, like get up in the exhibition circuit and make the easy money because Floyd's found the right way to do it. Like Floyd's like, I still want to box. I still want to have fun. I still enjoy it. But he knows he shouldn't be going in there with prime welterweights anymore. So take the easy exhibition money. I'm not going to watch it, but somebody will. Like somebody, somebody's going to go and watch you fight against some YouTuber or whoever, and you'll make some money from it. Do it that way. But don't go against Conor Ben because Conor Ben coming off of popping for steroids has something to prove he's already dangerous right your last fight we saw you get picked apart by Udinas Ugas Ugas is very good I'm not saying that uh Conor Ben is better than Ugas they're very different fighters which actually would be a good matchup if they fight each other but if Conor Ben with something to prove young powerful dangerous going against Manny Pacquiao, that could be a fight that could end tragically in a way like we don't want to see. So I, I'm begging Manny Pacquiao, don't do that. Roy Jones, don't do this. <laughs> like, you don't, like, don't do this. Like, you you need the money, find some exhibition fights. You could fight against some older dudes. Maybe you do another one with Mike Tyson or something, something like that. Don't, uh, I, I hate seeing that part of it, man. <laughs> I agree. Yo, dude, and, and it gives me such a bad taste in my mouth, too, because who he's fighting is someone who's at the tail end of their career in themselves. So he isn't, yeah. I mean, he hasn't really been a, a championship-level fighter for at least four or five years now. And now yeah. you're going and fighting someone else in boxing where you're the younger man by years. I think he's like 37 or something like that. So he's way younger than Roy Jones. Yeah. So it's like, what are you even proving if you win? Like, I, I don't understand yeah. what the fuck is going on. Uh, but yeah. hey, maybe that's why it's happening on April 1st, man. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we get some real fuckery it's, out of it. And- <laughs> it's crazy. I didn't even know about that. Like, maybe I just had my head in the sand or I just didn't want to believe it. Maybe I saw it and I just, yeah. like, <laughs> put it out of my mind. Like, as when you said, I was like, what? Roy Jones? I thought 
but after the Mike Tyson thing, I thought, okay, that was it. Like he made mm-hmm. his money from the Mike Tyson fight. That's gonna be he's gonna concentrate on training, which he needs to get better in because we saw from Chris Eubank Jr. getting knocked out in his yeah. last fight. That's what he needs to concentrate on is training his fighters because obviously his that's not working out right now. But yeah, that's uh Something's not that. clicking because you have a promotion of your own. You train fighters, and none of that is fulfilling enough for you to to have to accept the fight with. Oh man, it's just yeah. it all spells bad things, right? And I think ultimately the the idea is to build a name for this new promotion, right? Like this is I think the second um, actual boxing event they're doing because before they were doing bare knuckle boxing um, in an MMA context, which is like ah. Uh, uh, so yeah, really, really bad stuff on this end. Um, but but my point in saying all that was the two worlds are very parallel at this point, yeah. and you can't deny that. Um, ultimately, I think the respect is deserved at this point. Like, understand that we, we we may not be your cup of tea for everybody, right? But the landscape of what MMA has done has certainly changed boxing forever, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. And like you said, the two worlds can come together and you don't, you don't need boxing fans to be like baseball fans where it's just all the old people. We need everybody young to stay in it and still appreciate what's going on. Because like you said, there's so many young boxers coming up too right now. Like on these undercards of all these fights that we mentioned, you're going to see really good prospects on those undercards. So I do encourage people to watch the undercards, see these young prospects are coming up and become a fan. The way that Chris put me on to some of the young fighters in MMA where I could like, okay, I know this guy now before he became major because Chris told me about him. I can do the same thing for you in boxing. If you're looking for those young fighters, come talk to me. I'll let you know who to watch out for and who to look out for. And you can do that. And uh, just my last, my last little rant thing, the zone, the zone is supposed to be this credible, this credible platform for boxing and which it has been like, it's done a, a decent job. I think PBC does a better job of putting together full cards but the zone's been a credible platform, especially if you're a diehard like myself. You can just turn it on on a Saturday, and you'll forget that sometimes that there's a fight on. You'll turn it on on a Saturday, and there's somebody fighting in London. It's a good fight. But okay, cool. I'm glad I turned it on. But they're also chasing these ratings, and they're chasing it by getting these YouTubers. And now there's going to be tag team boxing <laughs> over there. Like, what? What are we doing? What are we doing? Obviously, we're starting to get the fights we want. So if you're able to have these fights, just make the good fights and we'll come. You make the good fights, we'll show up and we'll be there. We'll subscribe. Don't the tag team who's I understand that people because of curiosity have never seen it. People are going to tune in. I get that. But do we really need the the eyes to be on that part of the sport where you're doing tag team boxing? Somebody gonna come in with a steel chair. <laughs> <laughs> like what's like what's, what's, what's next here? Like yeah, like come exactly. on, man. So that's my my last little complaint. The zone, just do the real boxing, make mm-hmm. the real matchups we want to see, and we'll be there, right? I understand sometimes it's out of your control. Like it was out of your control that uh, Zerto came in out of weight for his fight against mm-hmm. Gabe Rosado, and they couldn't make that fight happen. But you still had a pretty decent matchup when you had uh, my man JoJo in the main event. So you still have something decent for us to watch. Like, just do that. Do real boxing. Do the real, some of the other sports you have, darts and all that stuff. Do that stuff. But tag team boxing, come on, man. What are we doing? 
what the fuck are we doing here? And I love that you brought this up because I was on the verge of going on a zone rant earlier on in the show and I didn't. So I'm going to fucking pick up right where you left off because I got issues with the zone as well. And mine okay. stem back further beyond that. So look, this shows how forgiving we are as boxing fans, because ultimately it's almost like the, the beaten stepchild, right? I will take the lashings over and over again, but as soon as you come back, letting us know, Hey, you know, I love you. Right. Like we take that yeah. shit to heart and we like, yes, like I've been waiting for this moment for a while. <laughs> the zone has branded themselves as what coming on to this. Remember the broken promises from two to three years ago. What oh, did the yeah. zone say they were going to be the zone? No, said, no we, <laughs> we are going to take away all the idea of what pay-per-view used to be. That's archaic. That's old news. You pay one fee and then you get everything. You don't have to pay extra pay-per-view. What we're doing is going to revolutionize the game. And you know what? Y'all got me. I fucking believed because this household is subscribed to the zone and I have paid up until the most recent price hike. And why, what changed in me? What, what made me decide, you know what? I'm streaming your product from now on. It was the fact that y'all never delivered on y'all promise. Two years into the experience, y'all were fully in selling pay-per-views of people like Anthony Joshua. Now I get it. I get why that's a pay-per-view fight. But don't lie to us. You got yeah. us to sign up to this two-year experiment, right? Because of all the things you were selling. And at first, it felt like that was the true direction they were headed in. And at some point... There was never a, a rebranding. There was never a, yeah, you guys are right. We fucked up on that. No, they just came out of nowhere. Kept it pushing, kept it pushing and act like we never made those promises. Forget about that. Now we're in the pay-per-view business entirely. And don't get me wrong. You got to do what you got to do to survive, right? I would imagine yeah. this is the landscape for a reason. And it, it may have been a crazy ask in the first place, but yeah. I ain't forget. I ain't forget. That's all I got to say <laughs> about the zone. I ain't forget. And now y'all bringing up yeah. this obtuse stuff that isn't even boxing related trying to mm. take advantage of any little flash in the pan you can along the way um i'm sick of it to be honest and like you said if you're gonna you're gonna make that quick buck do whatever you gotta do but don't let it interfere because at the end of the day you do have some high level fighters under your banner and we need to see these matchups right uh but still got a bad taste in my mouth y'all lied to me man yes now nah, i feel you on that i had a feeling it wouldn't work though because when you have fighters like Anthony Joshua, Canelo, Triple G at the time, who they had just signed, when you have fighters of that magnitude who you're paying this much to, you have to have that money come in some type of way. And at first, the first price of the subscriptions, I'm like, there's no way they're going to make enough money to pay these guys. No way. <laughs> so I was like, I was just waiting for that shoe to drop eventually. I'm like, I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. And yeah, I did. Like, they was having boxing pretty much every weekend. And it was for the, you know, the cheap price, like $8 a month if you paid the yearly fee. So I was like, oh, this is dope. And I was like, but eventually they're going to have to. Because I'm like, you, there's no way you can afford Canelo if you're not selling pay-per-views. No way. Yep. 100%. I agree. It makes sense logistically. But you ain't have to lie. Like, yeah, you, you could have <laughs> at least told me you was moving out. Like, you told me yeah. you were going to get some milk, bro. And you never came back. Like, that, that shit hurts, okay? Uh, but... Damien, once again, it's always a blast to have you on the show. I can't believe it. All the time, I sort of have an idea of how much time this stuff is going to take. But then we're in we're in the midst of the conversation, and it just gets to a whole other place than I even imagined. Yeah. It's always a great time talking to you, bud. Um, any closing thoughts, anything you want to add before we get out of here? Oh, man, just thank you for having me on the show, man. Like you said, we were supposed to stay under an hour and a half. We couldn't do it. <laughs> but that's because we really love this, man, and uh, really enjoy it. I know I could be long-winded when it comes to boxing, but 
that's how you can tell just how much we love it and how excited we are about all the fights that we talked about. So I'm just really looking forward to it. I'll definitely, I'll be hitting you up like, oh man, how'd you score this fight and all this. So we'll definitely be, you know, going back and forth and you'll be back on my show soon. We'll be talking about it and hopefully I'll be back here soon uh, recapping these fights pretty soon. Heck yeah, as always. So before you get out of here, make sure that you're subscribing and following all of our content. So you could catch me on Twitter at Negron MMA, as well as on Instagram at Chris Negron underscore. Coming, coming back with a bang, right? I had some had some health stuff pop up. Had to go to Chicago for a week and a half, spend some time with family over there. But we're back, baby. We're entrenched in the game. And I'm going to have a lot of shows coming out for you guys soon, starting starting off with a heater like this episode so thank you again as always for tuning in make sure to follow the brand at ots media co on all platforms as well as ots media on youtube for your continued coverage of just all things sports and all things lifestyle as well um and damien please let them know once again where they can find you at yeah you can find me at the real deal wd8 that's the real deal w as in whiskey d as in delta a as in alpha on all social media platforms You'll be getting basketball videos, football videos, boxing videos. You might get the most skilled heavyweights of all time pretty soon. Thanks to the idea that Chris put in my head. So I'll probably be working on that pretty soon. So just go ahead and follow me on, and like I said, you can TikToker, you can follow me there, Instagram, wherever. The Real Deal WDA. Twitter's probably where I'm most active. Uh, my podcast, The Real Deal with Damian Adams, available on all podcast platforms. Last episode I did with Chris, we recapped UFC 286, right? Mm -hmm. Recap UFC 286. We preview Plant Benavidez in a very detailed way. So if you're looking for that preview, go ahead and check it out on that episode. And we also talk AFC North. If you are a football fan of that division, we go very into detail about last season and what these teams should do in the offseason to get better for next year. So please go ahead and check me out. And also Rush. So just check out hashtag Rush on social media. Bunch of different content coming there as well. Don't forget to follow him on all the platforms he mentioned, man. I'm going to need a, a TikTok tutorial from you soon because <laughs> I see the things you're doing all the time. Like I said, constantly going viral and really doing shit the right way, really making really awesome content. So make sure you check that out. That. As always, we're going to keep killing it. So you already know we're going to keep bringing you that awesome coverage. Looking forward to talking to you guys again soon. And thank you so much for sticking with us this whole time. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace.